Good morning, New York sports fans on this rainy, stormy Friday morning here in New York City. Hope that you guys are staying safe. Any of you guys in this listening area on Terrestrial Radio are currently under a tropical storm warning. So I want everybody staying safe out there. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan After Midnight, talking all things New York sports with you to right up until the warm-up show on this July 9th, 2021. I've got Kevin Wall with me tonight on the ones and twos and manning the phones as well. And we are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in lower Manhattan. Listen, you guys know that number, 877-337-6666. And we will load them up with your best content only, please. And thank you. And uh, on the way in, they, uh, according to the maps and the traffic and everything, they said that... Uh, that there was going to be traffic on the George Washington Bridge. There was none. So there's your traffic and weather at 1.04 a.m. in the morning on this Friday morning. So will the real New York Yankees please stand up? I mean, we're going to have a problem here in Houston if what the Yankees mustered in Game 3 of the Seattle series continues. But before we get to that point, seriously, will the real New York Yankees please stand up? In Games 1 and 2 in Seattle, they combined for 17 runs. In Game 3 in Seattle, they had one hit. That's it. In fact, they didn't have a single base runner between the Luke Voigt hit-by-pitch in the second inning and the DJ LeMahieu hit-by-pitch in the ninth inning. Just prior to the LeMahieu at bat, Rugnet Odor was the 22nd Yankee in a row to be retired by the Mariners. In a row! After really positive games one and two against the Mariners, Yankee fans were asking themselves, was that Mets series? Was that rock bottom? Unfortunately, I don't know that there is a concrete answer to that question because after two games of surging slugging, Last night's game was yet another example of the lifeless New York Yankees. All of these adjectives, again, the same ones. Lifeless, apathetic, ineffective, you name it. Honestly, there wasn't a single point in that game where you said to yourself, they've really got something going offensively here. Maybe they can break out of this. The difference in the next two games, uh, the first two games versus the third game, was that the Yankees played from behind in game three. I brought that trend up after about the first month of the season, if you remember that, and then again earlier this week. The Yankees struggle when playing from behind. In fact, including last night's loss, the Yankees are 15-29 and 29 when they allow the first run of the game. Let me ask you, which team in this following list does not belong? The Rangers, the Royals, the Orioles, or the Yankees? Yankees, of course. You'd say that, right? The other three teams stink. Well, not exactly. That was kind of like a trick question because in terms of runs allowed in the first inning, the Yankees fit right in with those stinky teams. The Yankees are fourth in the league in runs allowed in the first inning. 55. That is not a recipe for success, especially with a team as lifeless as the Yankees seem to be when they're down early. The players acknowledge it, too. 
After Wednesday's game, Aaron Judge said, when the Yankees were able to jump out to the lead early, he said, the flow of the game is different. Our pitchers are able to attack guys differently. That's true. Guys at the plate may be a little bit more comfortable knowing that we've already got a lead. Now I can focus on trying to get my pitch and drive it instead of trying to do too much. Got to hit a homer here. Got to do more than what's asked of me. So when we get a lead, it just changes everything for us. Get my pitch and drive it. Sorry, but shouldn't that always be the mentality at the plate? I know it's mine in my silly women's league. So ultimately, the essential question is, did the Yankees depart for IAH Houston from SEA Seattle with a renewed sense of hope in a season that looks all but over? I mean, maybe. Going into the game, one of the things I was watching for was to see if the Yankees had that killer instinct to just put it away. Put the series away. They did not have it. It's a trend that has been prevalent throughout the season, really. The Yankees are now 3-8 and eight when going for the sweep. They're now 1-5 on the road. That, ladies and gentlemen, isn't going to get it done. It isn't the type of work that will send you to the postseason, especially against a team that is, based on winning percentages going into the game, technically barely worse than you. Did the Seattle series turn this team around? No, I think it's much of the same. The Yankees are 4-8 since the beginning of the most recent Boston series. They won the series against, but did not sweep the Mariners. It's not good. This team needs to be way better than that in order to even think about making the postseason. Before you get too excited about the Yankees taking two out of three in Seattle, though, might I remind you that Entering the final game of the Seattle series, the Mariners were 26th in runs per game, 25th in slugging percentage, last in batting average, and last in on-base percentage. Not great. To me, this is a cautionary tale. Fans, sorry, but, but temper your excitement here. The Yankees are supposed to beat the Mariners. Entering the final game of the series last night, the Mariners had a winning percentage of 517. That's my birthday. The Yankees' winning percentage, 518. Again, I know it's a slim margin, but you are supposed to beat the teams that are worse than you. That the Mariners are, albeit by a very slim margin. But here is the real test. Beginning later tonight, the Yankees will open their series against the Astros, who just so happened to be atop the AL West. In fact, here's the stretch of Yankee opponents coming up through the All-Star break and up through the trade deadline. Number one, Houston. They have a 621 winning percentage, and they lead the AL West. Boston Red Sox have a 614 winning percentage, and they lead the AL East. The Yankees, on the season, are 0 6 versus the Red Sox. That's the season that's going to be the pivotal part, the sink or swim part of the season for the Yankees. Mark my words. And then they've got the Tampa Bay Rays with a 586 winning percentage at the moment who are second place in the AL East. And the Yankees on the season versus them are 5-8. and eight. 
So I'm looking at this as the only sweepable series is the one versus the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's only a two-game one. They're winning uh, percentages 488. Again, the Yankees are the better team. They're supposed to beat them twice. The Yankees are not supposed to beat the Astros, Red Sox, or Rays. But that's why you play the game, right? And speaking of playing the game, in the age of MLB's load management, the Yankees are now in a position to have to send their regulars out there most every day in order to make a run. Ironic, since they've been sitting their big-name guys in order to make a run. If they make it to the postseason, those guys are obviously going to be needed. And to me, that is not a sustainable uh, formula in the way that the team is currently constructed. But if the Yankees were really to do this, here are my three pragmatic implement tomorrow ways to fix the Yankees, at least short term. One, hey, Aaron Boone must have been listening to my show the other night because in the very next game, he had Chad Green in the closer's role. I know, that's a no-brainer with how bad or old this Chapman has been. But he did say, Boone, after Thursday night's game, though he, he would have used Chapman in a closing situation Thursday night? No. Both Chad Green and Zach Britton, when he comes back, which should be any day now, are much better options. That's the idea. And two, I love the beginnings of diversification on the roster. I hope that Brian Cashman continues with it throughout the trade uh, deadline period because this is a start. It's, it's not looking like he's listening to me when I say blow it up. So the shift in the roster construction, I hope, is beginning with the acquisition of an institution of Tim LoCastro. LoCastro is like the anti-Yankee. He's got speed to burn. He's a real threat on the base paths, and he's been a real spark plug for this team. Think about it. Just Wednesday night, he stretched a single into a double, which took the center fielder by surprise to begin that second inning. Then DJ LeMahieu flied out to center, moving him over to third, and then Aaron Judge brought him home with a home run, a two-run home run. Remember, only about one-third of the Yankees' home runs are not solo shots, so that was big. That's the formula. And number three, along with that, Move Aaron Judge down in the order. Get him out of the two spot. More on that a little later in the show. Well, in more ways than one for the Mets, really. As a result of the remnants of Tropical Storm Elsa, they have been postponed for the 13th time this season. That was Luke Combs, obviously. When it rains, it pours. The Mets are going to make up Thursday night's game on Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, for 10 p.m. as part of their 10th doubleheader of the season. Just when you thought this was getting ridiculous, it is. They'll be playing a single admission. That's important. Doubleheader on Saturday. I do have to say that is much better than the split admission doubleheader that they've been used to doing. Like, that's a nightmare for fans. It's not Like, it's just not fair to have to trek to the stadium, and I'm thinking from a New Jersey driving point of view here, twice, pay for the bridge twice, pay for the refreshments twice, only to have the game canceled. Everyone likes to complain about this, but since the seven-inning doubleheaders are not going away, 
not this season at least, I've, I have a solution. It's very simple. All of the tickets this year anyway are done through MLB Ballpark app, right? Which means everyone has an MLB.com account, right? My solution's easy. For a seven-inning Mets makeup game, you give every fan a free parking pass in the app or a $25 voucher also in the app. That's how much it costs to park at City Field. For a seven-inning Yankees game, makeup that is, give every fan the choice of a free parking pass in the app or a $45 parking voucher or a $45 voucher to be used on food and stuff. Also in the app, because that's how much you have to pay to park at Yankee Stadium. I know that that offering would placate me as a fan. Now, how do these, you know, double headers, all of them, so many of them, affect the Mets as a team on the field? I honestly don't think it's that much of a big deal. Honestly, I I actually think it's an advantage. These shortened double headers keep the players rested. And think about it this way. The Mets will be playing, in theory, 52 innings less than their competitors down the stretch because of the seven instead of nine inning games. That will pay huge dividends for the hitters, for the starting pitchers, and mostly for the bullpen arms. But I do have to say, I was not thrilled with Steve Cohen's tweet from 2.33 p.m. Thursday afternoon. In it, he said, I won't be available to make the weather call tonight. Anyone want to take my place? What could possibly go wrong? Well, I didn't think you needed a meteorological degree to make that call today. At 3.15 p.m., when I saw his tweet, I looked at my Weather Channel app. The National Weather Service had already issued a severe thunderstorm watch until 9 p.m. Also at 3.15, the National Weather Service had already declared a flash flood watch until Friday at noon. Like, why was this so difficult? Call the game at that point. Instead, at 4.31 p.m., the Mets' Twitter account put out a lineup that made people think, especially if you had tickets to the game, that the game was going to be played. Then a little after 90 minutes later, at 6.08 p.m., if I did the math correctly, the Mets' Twitter account announced the postponement of Thursday night's game against the Pirates. I must say, at 6.08 p.m., I personally would have already been over the George Washington Bridge and well on my way to City Field, probably on the FDR Drive and far down on it. That late call, just accept, unacceptable on a day like today, or I should say Thursday, continuing into today. But while you might not have been encouraged by the weather and the Mets' 13th postponement of the season, Mets fans, you have to be encouraged by their series against the Milwaukee Brewers. If the season ended this week, that would have been the Mets' first postseason matchup. And think of it in terms of a three-game playoff series, because one of the four games was postponed. The Mets would have advanced. The Mets really, they took it to the Brewers' three all-star pitchers. In that first game, they tagged Brandon Woodruff for four earned runs. In the second game, They knocked Corbin Burns out after five and two-thirds innings and and 87 pitches. But also in that game, Jose Peraza tied the game for the Mets in the bottom of the seventh inning with a pinch hit home run. That was the first home run allowed by all-star J. 
Josh Hader all season. Mm-hmm. That was Peraza's sorry, sixth home run of the year, four of which have given the Mets the lead. Ice in that guy's veins. You know what, though? The Mets just found ways to win, especially late in games. And good for them. And you heard it here first. That Brewer series is Jeff McNeil's coming out party. You'll see. That walk-off, two-run single with the bases loaded, that scored the tying run and the go-ahead run, this will be the spark that he needs to really get going. His first career walk-off RBI will do it. You watch. Wednesday, he was not in Game 2 of the doubleheader lineup, but he did draw a pinch-hit walk. That shows me that he's seeing the strike zone well, even cold off the bench. Going into Wednesday's doubleheader, he was 236, which is 10 RBIs. Since that doubleheader, and I know it's a very small sample size, but it's hopeful, it's optimistic. He's got he's batting 500, and he's got two RBIs already. Versus up until this point, he only had 10. I'm telling you, you watch Jeff McNeil. And finally, this Jacob deGrom not traveling to Colorado thing is not a good thing. He said, I've thought about it. And I'm just going to take the time and enjoy being with my family, whether I pitch on Sunday or not, and get healthy for the second half, and hopefully Ty gets in there and takes my place. Well, A, I told you the other night in great painstaking detail why Taiwan Walker should have made the All-Star game outright without DeGrom's opt-out. We can review that again this morning if you'd like. But B, this is a really bad precedent to set for MLB, and honestly, I think it cheapens the prestige surrounding the All-Star game. I know DeGrom plays locally, and I did think about this from a fan outside of this area who does not get to see him pitch regularly. One, the sitting out because of injury, since it's been an issue for him in the past, is totally fine with me. There was an IL stint in May, right flexor tendonitis and shoulder soreness in June, and let's just not make it something else for July because he pitched in the All-Star game. I get it. But the not going at all part, that's not okay with me. He needs to at least be there. And I had a solution the other night. I'll tell, you, I'll tell this audience. So as to not cause him any stress. I know. I can't believe I just said that. Allow him to join the Mets late, either at the back end of the Pittsburgh trip or in Cincinnati. Give him his rest days then. Because the, the, the Mets kick off that series against the Cincinnati Reds on July 19th. These are not my decisions, obviously, but all I'm saying is accommodations could be made for DeGrom to make an appearance in Denver for that game, just to be there. He wouldn't be flying commercial. They'll put him on a private jet by himself. The league could afford to accommodate the best pitcher of my generation. And again, I'm newly 33 years old. I'm too young to appreciate Greg Maddox. And I know, Jose Altuve is enemy number one around here. But listen. He said he wants to, and this is a quote, get everything on my leg right and be healthy for the second half because I feel like the team needs me 100%. The problem, this is, that was an end quote, and I say the problem, he, unlike DeGrom, has not missed any time with this leg ailment. And when pressed, he would not provide any details on what exactly is wrong. Then he got Carlos Correa wanting to be with his pregnant wife 
Like, where is, I'm just trying to figure this out, where is the line drawn for attending and not attending a game that you were elected to by the fans and your peers? Help me out here. Let me figure out where this line of demarcation is drawn. Because it's really gray to me. It's very smudged to me right now. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you guys. It's time to eat your 123 in the morning snacks. 877-337-6666 is the number. And I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan in New York City. Listen to Moose and Maggie, middays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Hey, Mets fans. Don't look now, but the New York Mets are in sole possession of first place in the NL East. With the season hanging up, follow every exciting moment at MetsMarizeOnline.com. With a talented staff of writers committed to comprehensive Mets coverage, MetsMarize brings you exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, and in-depth analysis of the minor league system. Make Metsmerize Online the go-to place for your Mets fix and never miss a single beat. So grab your smartphones and get Metsmerized today. And, uh, you know, who is a better one-two punch at the top of the order? This was kind of like a little debate that was sparked. I sparked on Twitter the other day. Is it Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor or the 2021 version of DJ LeMayhew? Obviously, 2021 versions of all of them, but DJ LeMayhew especially and Aaron Judge. What, well, I guess my question is, what do you want from your number one batter, your leadoff guy? Well, one, you want them to get on base. So which guy has a higher on-base percentage? For, for, was it uh, Nimmo or DJ LeMayhew? It's Nimmo. 74 points higher, actually. Then you want your, your number one batter to see a lot of pitches. Brandon Nimmo seems more pitches on average than uh, DJ LeMayhew does. It's, it's slight. But but Brandon Nimmo has only grounded into one, not one, single double play. DJ LeMay, who has seven. So what's DJ's excuse for not being nearly as productive as he was last year? Honestly, you can't blame the shift because exactly one week ago when I last checked, there was not a single shift put on him. Zero percent. At that point, and maybe even still, he's the only hitter in the game that there hasn't been a shift put on him. So what's his excuse? So if I'm picking between number one batter Nimmo or number one batter DJ LeMayhew, Brandon Nimmo all the way. And then what do you want from your number two batter? Well, you want productive outs. Lindor has a 27% success rate at that. Judge, 18%. And last year, I couldn't believe it. He had a 0% success rate with a productive out, Aaron Judge. Like, what? I couldn't believe that. I had to throw that in there. You also want your number two batter to stay out of a double play. Lindor grounds into them only 6% of the time. Judge wipes the bases clean at a 10% clip. Yes, Aaron Judge has more power. But then what's the use in batting him second then? As far as Judge is concerned, why is Aaron Boone still marching him out there as the second batter? Of all the positions in the batting order, he is the most productive as you ready for it as a number five hitter. Yeah, I'm not saying put him as a number five, but I'm saying put some guys up before him that can get on base and then give him more reps and lower in the order and see what happens. Because this whole 
analytical notion of putting your best hitter in the top third of the order to get them more reps, throw it out. The Yankees need run support. Sliding Judge down in the order will do that. So if I'm choosing between uh, Brandon Nimmo or Francis- and Francisco Lindor or DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge at the very top of my order, I'm, I'm going the Mets way, I think, nine times out of ten. Not to say Aaron Judge isn't the Yankees' best hitter. He is. But he shouldn't be batting second. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666 in the leadoff spot tonight. Speaking of leadoff batters, Kevin and Camden, you lead us off tonight. Hey, good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I actually stayed up the whole day. since I had to work today, so I stayed up the whole day. I didn't nap. But yep, me too. I'm here. <laughs> you know me. I'm not going to miss this. But I got to talk about the Mets series Appreciate because, yeah. my Lord, what is – I mean – Milwaukee is not a bad team. Let's not forget they have fifty-one wins. They're they're no scrub. So the fact that they would be two out of three. Yes. I mean I'm I'm impressed with it. And I I gotta say, for me, I know Davis Davis is gonna come back eventually. But I think I'm talking a little bit ahead of myself. But I think the guy who should go is McKinney. As much I, I, he produced early, but lately he just I don't know. I, I'd rather keep Peraza with the way he's been swinging oh, on that for bench. Sure. You, you, oh, yeah. you, you've got to you've got to keep him in there. Yeah, I'm just I was just thinking of what can he get from McKinney though. You know what I mean? I don't know if there's much. Yeah, I know I know he's out of options. I know he's out of options. But but yeah, but Peraza though. I mean, cool. What a, absolutely. I absolutely. mean that home run. I was I was listening on the radio to uh, Howie and uh, Wayne Randazzo call it. I was like. It was like it was like very uh, very because um, I'm not watching it so I'm like oh it's back it's far it's out the wall I'm like oh my god is it out is it out and it went out I was like, you want to know something I actually I just walked in the door turned on the TV and that happened I was like <laughs> I just got home and I turned on the TV and that happened I was like you gotta be kidding me I just got home and this happened they're like, waiting for you to walk through the door like literally I just walked in and I was like and I put the TV on I'm, like, I'm just sitting there and I see the home run I'm like wow I didn't even get to sit down and I'm like this is nuts this is nuts. And it's for, and I think you're you're right earlier when you said McNeil's going to turn it up. You're right because the last time you called something, <laughs> you said Lindor was going to get hot, and Lindor got hot. And McNeil, you said it now, and you watch it's going when you say things, Coach, it happens. So, so I have no I have no doubt that he's going to get hot. So Kevin, let's go to the lottery store and let's go pick some numbers. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. And real quick, <laughs> yeah. and really quick, yeah. the Yankees, they're just, I don't know, there's just, there's nothing left for me to say. I mean, the two wins, I, I saw people saying, oh, World Series and stuff, but, nah, I, you know this team's not going to do it. I just, Who, I, 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 I thought they were going to get no hitter, honestly. I thought they were oh, going to get no hitter. Oh, yeah, the one hitter. How, how wonderful is that? A one hitter versus a rookie pitcher. Are, are you kidding me? Uh, and I, I'm, I'm booing, I'm done with booing, I'm sorry. He just—he's not the right guy. It's—it's—it's it's, it's apparent. This guy is just not it. Yep. So. Yep. But yeah, so that's pretty much it. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk this weekend. Yeah, Kevin. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you, it. Coach. Uh, and the other thing too, and I forgot to mention this in the open, but if you're a Mets fan and you're looking at that Milwaukee Brewers series, again, it—it it has like the playoff sort of feel to it, right? I just looked while he was talking because I just wanted to be sure. Tyler McGill was on the mound for the Mets in that game one. Tyler McGill beat Brandon Woodruff, in essence. 
that's a really good sign. And, of course, Jake and Jacob DeGrom went in game two. But Tyler McGill in game one. I'm telling you, the Mets are onto something here, everybody. I'm telling you. So, to Chris in Farmingdale. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, wasn't, wait, didn't DeGrom pitch the first game? Oh, was it the first one? I thought it was game two. I just looked in no, the No, game two. Yeah, no, game two, um, we lost 5 nothing. That's when McGill pitched. But he went, I think he went five innings. He gave up two runs. Wait and then Castro, of course, gave up, like, uh, Another bomb to Uri. Oh, Castro, um, wait. Let me just make sure this is right. This is uh, July 7th. This is DeGrom pitched. He pitched uh No, he pitched a day game. That's right. No, he did pitch the first game. He pitched a day game. I remember that was the walk-off with McNeil. Right. Oh, because right. I was like, this is the game we have to win. And I remember we, we came back and tied it up, and, and it gave him the no decision because he would have got the loss because we were down – Three oh, to two, I think, or two to one. No, we're down two to one. I had, yeah, I had to right. scroll down a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're okay. <laughs> stock you're, pitch. Stock on. pitch the second one. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I'm I'm reading now. Um, first, I'm very happy that we won. Took two out of three. I mean, uh, a sweep would have been a blessing. Even even with the Yankees playing bad, um, a sweep of that series would have been a blessing, um, especially in their home ballpark. But um, I I was kind of expecting not to take two out of three. I'm like, ah, we're just too beat up right now. And the, and the Brewers have just came off uh, their, you know, they had a 10 and one stretch. Yeah. They just, you know, they had a 10, 11 game win streak, and then of course, you know, you're not going to win every game. Even even if it is the Pirates, um, they did get shut out. And it was only like I think two nothing. Um, and I was like, you know, I I, I don't know. I'm like, I thought so I said we have to take two out of three from the Yankees because I don't I don't see this series uh, see us taking two out of three. And then. When we won that the first night, um, I was I was ecstatic. I was I was like, wow, I can't believe that. I think that was no Woodruff. Uh, was Woodruff, was Woodruff playing the first night that we played him? No, I'm mixed up too. Woodruff yeah, or Burns. Uh, now I'm we, Woodruff we, we was, uh, was Monday doing. night. Woodruff was Monday night. Okay, yeah, okay, that's right. And I was like, yeah, we're not we're not we're not, uh, we're not beating him. And and I was shocked. We we beat we beat him. We hit him. That was good. I was really four impressed. earned runs. I mean, you hit him yeah. pretty good. I'll tell you what, you know, we get a healthy Carrasco back and a healthy Syndergaard back, and guess what? They're 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 going to be fresh. I mean, you're talking about you know August uh, for Carrasco. Um, by the time he you know gets really rolling, um, and then Syndergaard probably end of August September. You're talking about. I mean, this gives you goosebumps. This team going to into, if they get into the postseason, especially if they win the division with yeah. these two guys, and we're and we have. 45 wins as of right now without these two guys. I mean, just imagine what we would have. I know. If these guys were healthy, I, I really think this team is going good. And now I'm seeing um, Adam Frazier is a potential target. Yeah. Now I would. I, this is this is my. Um, this is what I would like to see as far as the lineup is concerned. If we get him, um, Nemo, him, and Lindor, you got your two top on base percentage guys yep. batting back to back. Yep. Put some. You know, now you have Lindor as a power hitter, and it's also you know he can hit. He can hit. Um, obviously down the line, hitting the gap, um, and then have him up third, and then potentially hit the three run homer. And have Lonzo bat behind him or Dominic Smith. I mean, that I think that really sets us off. Would, do you think that's a good eye, good good you know first three right there? Yeah, definitely. Yes, Chris, and great call there, Chris. Uh, yes, I think it's great. However, I'm just concerned about how much you would have to give up to get him to get uh, Frazier from uh, Pittsburgh because I I don't know he, he's he's there are plenty of teams interested in him. Let's put it that way, and I think the teams know where their Mets are at, and I think that the Mets might maybe get fleeced for him. So I'm wondering if that's the big splash that they want to make. I don't I don't think I don't I don't see it happening for the Mets. So let's just put it that way. I think the Mets have 
uh, just bigger concerns. Uh, I, I would kind of say back end of the rotation, although Tyler, Tyler Miguel, he looked pretty good. I would say bolster the back end of the rotation. I would really try to get a real, real ringer third baseman in there. Those are the two areas I would try to improve if I were the Mets. I would be all right riding, uh, what's his name, uh, Jeff McNeil to, to the end, I think. Just because the, the price, I think, might be too steep for the Mets on Adam Fraser. That, that's all. He's a great player. He's a player that I wish the Yankees would take, honestly. And um, I think the Yankees, if they really wanted to be really competitive, I think that's a move that they have to make. And uh, did you guys see that uh, Aroldis Chapman tweeted for the first time since May 14th? Yeah. It's it's July, well, I, he did it on, I think, the 8th or the 7th. What did he have to say? Well, let me just tell you that I actually, when I was scrolling through, I thought it was a joke. So I will fill you in on Aroldis Chapman on Twitter when we come back. Listen longer in the morning to The Fan. Start with a warm-up show with Al and Jerry at 5 a.m., followed by Boomerang Geo from 6 to 10. We're online at WFAN.com and on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 WFAN-FM. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan in New York City, everybody. Hope you're staying safe out there. I can't really see out the window. I don't know if it's raining just yet. I hope you guys are staying safe. Wow, we should have came back with the Frozen music here with Elsa. <laughs> so I rolled the chat and tweeted for the first time since May 14th. And this is what he had to say. I thought it was a joke when I scrolled through it, actually. He said, this is a quote from a Roldis Chapman on Twitter. For all of those people that criticizes my bad moments, I will tell them that I do not know how my story ends, but in its pages you will read, you will never read, I gave up. So I will move on. I still have many wars to win and many mouths to shut up. Okay, fine. I hope mine's one of them, honestly, because one of the first replies that he got on that tweet was, learn how to hide spider tack. That made me laugh out loud. I am so tired of seeing that face on Aroldis Chapman, and you know the face. Kevin, give me a little thumbs up. He knows the face. He was brought in in the lowest of low leverage situations on Wednesday against the Mariners. He loaded the bases on a single and two walks before finally finishing the game without giving up a run. You know what that tells me? It's not the pressure that gets to him. It's the lack of spider tack. Again, I've updated the numbers. Let's take a look at the comparison I made before and after June 21st when MLB's crackdown started. A roll this Chapman. Before the spider tack, he had 29 games, and after it's been four. Okay, I know it's a small sample size, but that's the line of demarcation. It's June June 21st. Batting average against him has gone from 174 before it spider tack crackdown to 462. His ERA went from 198 to 34.71. Walks per nine inning went from 4.6. To 34.3. And he's given up two home runs, two brutal home runs, whereas in the 29 games before the crackdown, he had only given up three. So, 
I'm with that guy. I probably should have liked it. I, I didn't, though. Learn how to hide the spider tech. That's uh, Earl Chapman. I don't care what you say on Twitter. Figure it out. Get your mind right and figure it out. Let's go back to the phone. It's 877-337-6666. Vernon in Manhattan. What is up, Vernon? Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It appears that you're uh, coming on during the weekdays. Oh, man. It's been a week, huh? This is my third of four this week. Yeah. So all I can say, as we say in the hood, you're stomping down with the big dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It leads right into the warm-up show, right into the morning show. Yes. Yeah, you blown up big. <laughs> Soon as I call you, you gonna say running who? Oh I know no! You not. no. <laughs> What's up, Vernon? What do you have for me today? Uh, okay, I give you a baseball question here first before I tell you something. Um, the front of City Field, the new stadium, the front of that stadium was built from who, what design and the name of that stadium? Is it the, the Ebbets Field blueprint, isn't it? You are correct. Vernon, I, I should start keeping track of these. I am on a roll, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you did good. I love it. I love the question. And people on Twitter, by the way, love the questions, too. I, I just want you to know that. Oh, okay, thanks. Okay, let's go here to um, the second game with the Brewers, the 2 o'clock game. Did you see that baseball game? I was, I was honestly, I was. It was the first day that I've gotten so far to sit in my pool, so I was listening to it on the portable speaker. Okay, so you didn't see the game. I didn't. I didn't see it. No, I, I heard it. Okay, I felt there was deep cheating going on with this particular picture. Uh oh, what happened? And I, and I, yeah, I'll tell you the reason why. And I hope where you at in the stadium. You're able to pull up S and Y and look at it. The starting pitcher for that Tuesday, I mean, I don't know Tuesday, for that second game at 2 o'clock, every time he pitched the ball, mm-hmm. he, he would take his hand and pull on his hair. And and from there, he put his hand on the baseball. Oh, so you so think he's hiding the sticky it, stuff in his hair? Yeah. So once he pitched it, when the ball came back to him, he would grab the back of his hair, slowly pull on it, then put his hands back on the baseball. He did it every time. And I kept saying, well, I know they check the inside of the belt, they check the hat, they have the hand turn over. Hmm. But the thing is, if you can't see the substance, you can't pick it up. Right. But trust me, look at that. Two o'clock game. It's, it's, so the picture was Corbin Burns, and he does have long, flowy hair. They were saying that on the yes. radio broadcast. Yes. So when you look at the videotape, you see every time he pitched, the ball comes back, he takes his hand, and slowly pulls on down on his hair, and then actually touches the baseball. Now, the hair is not getting in his ears or his face. It's just sit there, it's like stiff. Like when you put all the grease something in here, the hair stays in one place. Uh-huh. But he does it on every pitch. So if you're in the in the studio, bring it up, and you're gonna see. I'm telling you the truth. Every pitch, he slowly grabs the hair, slowly pulls down on the on the hair, then puts his hand on the baseball. 
trust me, look at that 2 o'clock game, and you see I'm telling the truth. Yeah, I'm trying, now, to, I'm trying to pull it up. I'm looking for it. I am. And, and he yeah. finished that game with five and a third innings pitch, six hits, eight strikeouts. So that's... Yeah, yeah the thing was, the pitcher, the Mets had a hard time hitting him. Yeah, they did. But once he was removed from the game, that's when the Mets started hitting, and they won that second game. But uh-huh. look at it. Every time he pitched, the ball came back to him. He took his hand and put it on the back of his hair. He pulled down very slowly, and he puts his hands back on the baseball. Interesting. It's every pitch he does that. I, I'm trying. So, I, yeah, I'm trying to find it on Twitter. I can't find a whole, you know, a whole thing like you're explaining. It's just it's all the videos I'm finding start with him just releasing the ball, basically. But I, I'll find yeah. it. I will find that. Yeah, because I was talking with the um, with uh, Kim. And Moose, uh-huh. and they saw it. They brought up and said, yeah, we do see he's pulling on the hair every time he pitches. But check it out. That yeah. man's cheating. So, mm. yeah, I hope you find it, and have a nice day. Well, Vernon, thank you for that. Um, yeah, that was uh, the first. I actually just found something. You did? I actually found something. Yeah. Tweet it, and I'll, and I'll retweet it. Yes. Tag yeah. me in it. Yes, I'm looking at the highlights right now. Clearly, like, in the two-and-a-half-minute mark, you can see him pulling back his hair. Really? Yeah. Not that I, not Vernon, not that I discredited you or didn't believe you, Vernon, but he found the video. All right, t- tag me in it, and I'll, and I'll tweet it for everybody to see it. Uh, it was on Twitter, right? I found it on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube. Oh, on YouTube. All right, so you got to tag me in it. We'll, yep, we'll take a look at it. All right, and then so, um, yeah, so that was the first day, and, and believe me, and everybody that says teachers get the summer off, I'm going to just punch you in the face. So you're getting a nice punch in the face because I've been working on curriculum like crazy. But so that was that day, the 7th, July 7th, was the first day that I actually got to like sit outside and like somewhat enjoy myself. July 7th, my pool's been open since uh, Memorial Day, by the way. And uh, no, I had it on the radio, so I, I, I didn't see it at all. And, and actually, I had come in from the pool uh, like uh, a little earlier. And uh, I saw, I saw like the the last out or two of the game. That was it, and that would be well after uh, Corbin Burns was was done pitching. So um, Vernon Manhattan, awesome, good call. You're always a good call, and, I, and I'm like really good on the trivia questions. I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but you know, I know you guys are playing at home too. They, Vernon, they love the questions. They tell me all the time on Twitter. Let's go to Isaac in Ellenville. Isaac, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Um, huge fan. Um, Where's Ellenville? I'm just curious. Ellenville is upstate. Oh, upstate okay. New York. Okay. Okay. Um, so I wanted to talk about Frankie Lindor. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the signing. Um, thought it showed, like, major, major like, that Steve Cohen wanted to make big changes, mm-hmm. not, be not like the Will Bonds. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's a little too much smiles. Like, not, not enough action. Like, he's just not backing up his, his big name, you know? I could see how that's annoying. I could see – a question. Did you like or care for Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah, but at the same time, he's being a great leader, so we got to thank for that. Just hope he ups his numbers at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious because it's like – I feel like they have very similar sort of personalities, like smiley, upbeat, bubbly sort of personalities. You know what I'm saying? That's all. I was curious. but Except, except Frankie doesn't have the temper that Odell does. Well, that, Yes. Uh, but yes, uh, listen. Uh, and Francisco Lindor, we've talked about it on here. He's a slow starter, but he he's been good as of late, really good. And and I'm looking at on TV at Sal right now. The other night after I left, Sal had a huge problem in his opening monologue with Francisco Lindor bunting. 
And from what I surmised from his, his, his monologue that night was that he had a huge problem with him bunting because he makes $300 million. I had no problem with it. He moved the runner over that ended up scoring and tying the game at one-to-one. I have no problem with Francisco Lindor bunting at that point. Do you? I think Styles just upset. Because, no, I don't, because I think Styles just upset because of analytics. Now you have to hit the home run. You have to hit the home run. I think I, I like I like the old day MLB. I like when they just hit. They try to get men on base and try to advance the runners. I'm I think with that's you. The right way to, I respect it. Yeah, I'm with you. And 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 Isaac, thanks for the call there. Yeah, when when I got a call too, and I didn't think it was a huge deal. I mean, that is the type of baseball that I like to see. That's the type of baseball baseball that actually like wins championships. Dare I say it? You've got a guy that has he has uh, done six sa- uh, sack bunt attempts on the year, five of which have been successful. That's pretty good, if you ask me. I have no problem with him manufacturing a run that way. I wish the Yankees would manufacture runs in that way. They just can't. So the opposite of what Francisco Lindor did is what the Yankees are doing. And I don't care how much money you make. You can make a billion dollars. If you can get a bunt down and manuf- help to manufacture a run, I'm all in. And sometimes, as a player, maybe you're not seeing the ball too well. Maybe you're having a struggling finding the strike zone, etc. You know that one of the best things to do is to bunt the ball because you really have to focus in on what's a ball and what's a strike and be able to pull it back or, or leave it out there. So I'm okay with it. I, I think it's the sign of a guy trying to work out of something and, and trying to, to be really great. And not to mention, he's made it successful five out of six times the last I saw. I think I checked it uh, earlier today, earlier on uh, on uh, Thursday. I'm getting mixed up with the days now. Working these overnights is a little crazy because you like you start on Wednesday and then you end on Thursday. I'm getting all mixed up here, but uh, yeah. So there's that. All right, let's go to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Eric, you're up next on the fan. Eric, this is uh, this is Danielle. This is. Are you Eric? Yes, ma'am. Then uh, this is Danielle. I mean, politely, the best shows are the single shows. I mean, I mean, it's respectful yourself. I heard Kim Jones, the few that you know, you know, fill in. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then I'm going to get Richard Neer and Chris Moore. Now, uh, you the lady from respectfully from uh, you a Buffalo Bills fan or what? No, that's that's Maggie Gray. She's I on in the daytime. Or somebody else, I think. I think. I mean, I was going to go over to that, but that's so you know what you know. But I did hear your Philadelphia. I, I don't know. So that's you. Can, <laughs> I don't know where it goes. So <laughs> I, uh, Daniel, listen. My name's Eric McGrath. I got nothing to hide. Okay. Uh, I uh, I tweet a, a lot of comments about the Yankees uh-huh. yesterday. Uh, but, uh, so listen, just look up my name, E-R-I-C, I got a lot, M-C-G-R-A-T-H, and I got a lot of replies for different comments about everything, about the thing, chatting, you, so I'm not going to waste your time about that, so, so I think we're on the same page in some realm. Eric, Danielle. there's a lot of you, Eric, there's a lot of Eric McGrath's. I'm looking. Well, actually, Danielle, I'm the best one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find you, though. Well, listen, Danielle, listen, I don't give a – after what I went through years ago, I'm single. Are you single? And let, let it, I mean, come on. Hey, I'm just joking. Eric, listen, this is I, where we cut the call, dude. I mean, come on. This is insane. It's so stupid. 
Like, does anybody think, like, to themselves, like, yeah, let me just say yes. Let me just, yes, you sound like a great person from your phone call to my show to my place of work. Come on. No. Maggie Gray's on during the day. She's the Buffalo Bills fan. And while I appreciate the compliment, it went a little overboard. There's always one. Kevin, there's always one that kind of just goes off you the rails. It was a good call at first, too. I know. He, he was doing well, and then all of a sudden, whoop, it, I know. it just uh, down. I even tried finding it on, on Twitter. Eric McGrath, there's like 10 million of them, actually. So I don't know which one's him. It's like finding a... A needle in a haystack. Right? I don't know. So uh, I have no idea, but uh, that's how that's how that's going to end. And I think uh, that might be how this hour ends. That's kind of crazy. You know, do I even do I even go into this? All I could say is this: to anybody out there listening, thinking of picking up the phone to do the same thing, or sending a tweet. Are sending a DM. Don't. Nobody wants to hear it. Maggie Gray doesn't want to hear it. Kim Jones doesn't want to hear it. Lori Rubinson doesn't want to hear it. I certainly don't want to hear it. You call up. You talk about the sports. That's it. That's where we keep it. I can't hear you, Kevin. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so that's it. So I, you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is. He had a Yankee point. He did have a Yankee point. Never really got to it, but he had a Yankee point. Who's this on the updates? Oh, Bob Husler. Okay. All right. So let's let's send to Bob Husler for an update here at 2 a.m. on the fan in New York City. Danielle McCartney. McCartan after midnight on this rainy Friday morning here in New York City. I hope everybody's staying safe out there, driving slow, taking their time. Vernon in Manhattan sent us on uh, this, not rabbit hole, but it's really good, actually. So Kevin was producing tonight. He's on the ones and twos. He's taking your calls, by the way, 877-337-6666. Kevin's waiting for you. Uh, so that was the first game of the Mets doubleheader on 7-7, whatever that was. Wednesday, I guess it was. I uh, I was outside in the pool for the first time all summer so far, literally. And um, so I was listening to it on the radio. Vernon in Manhattan brought up a great point. He said that Corbin Burns was touching his hair after receiving the ball from the catcher on what he said was every – I didn't see it yet. I, I saw one pitch, but – Kevin just tweeted it to me. It's a YouTube uh, game highlight clip. And it's produced by MLB. It's all legitimate. And Kevin said, check it out around the 237, 247 mark. So I, I, I just did as the update was was rolling there. And listen, I have, I, have, I have long hair. So I pictured myself, like, how would I kind of put my hair behind my ear if I'm wearing a cap sort of thing? The way Corbin Burns did it, and this it's on my Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I just retweeted it again. The way I see it, that is not a normal, let me just put my hair behind my ear sort of move. It's almost like it's like a jamming it into the skull with my thumb sort of move. He's not even hiding it. I know. 
Why, how about so? So what I did was I don't know if you guys saw it, but on Twitter, I I, I let me see. I did that the right way. Yeah, I, I quote tweeted it. Oh no, I didn't quote tweet it. Oh, I meant to quote tweet it and tag Corbin Burns in it. Yeah, no, I did. I said at Burns sixteen. What are you hiding in your hair? And I gave him the clip that you tweeted, Kevin. And I think we have a good chance of getting a response. He's only got 8,479 followers. So there's a good chance that he wakes up and sees this. So I will keep you guys updated. Corbin Burns, what are you hiding in your hair? He does have a nice set of hair, though. Got to give that to him. He, no, I don't know. It doesn't move. It's very greasy looking. It's probably all filled with pine tar. That's why. <laughs> and it's funny. When you look at the comments, you know, it's the top, one of the top comments is, oh, he's definitely doing something. You know, there's definitely something in his hair. But where are the Mets for not noticing that? Why couldn't they not notice that? I don't know. They've got a lot of double headers. They're tired. I don't know. <laughs> They're not watching. Luis Rojas. I don't know, but it's it's. Uh, I don't want to label anybody a cheater, but that looks really, really suspicious to me. All right, and back to the phones we go. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Ben in Queens, you are up next. Well, well, first, unfortunately, Danielle, you got baptized to the weird part of the overnight. So <laughs> everybody warned me about the weekends. But yeah, yeah, there, there's parts when we get to like, like Thursday, uh, Thursday morning and Friday morning, which we are now. That uh, yeah, some guys have drunk a little bit too much, and some guys' head isn't in the game. So clearly, okay. Um, <laughs> I'd say the reason why that wasn't challenged is because Girardi made such a farce of what he did with Scherzer. I think if that doesn't happen a week prior, this gets challenged definitely. Because when we say blatant, this was blatant. Yeah. And and good call by Vernon because because I heard about it from friends leaving work. So when I got home... I had both the Mets and the Yanks on DVR and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I saw them pull the hair, I'm expecting, okay, something's going to be out of place, you know, something. It was stiff. Yeah, it was. It was. was, That that look, I won't say fishy, but in the words of Dave Dave Chappelle, very fishy, you know. for sure. (laughs) <laughs> and I, listen, I have long hair, and I'm si- I'm sitting here like kind of playing with my hair. Like, I, no, that's not what it would look like if I were just. I wouldn't even use my thumb. Actually, I would use my index finger. So definitely, there's something going on there for sure. Get him checked out. Yeah, uh, we'll yeah, and on the, and I didn't even realize, but Vernon picked up on it. He did it several times. Yeah, and I go okay. That was one. I'd be sitting on the bench making a mental uh, tally. Like he did it once. Maybe it's. Okay, that's like the fifth time. Oh, ref, could you check his hair? I know it sounds dumb. I know what Girardi did, but yeah, check his hair. Yeah, check his hair. <laughs> they checked Jacob DeGrom's belt like he was going through a TSA <laughs> checkpoint. Come on. Yeah. Um, Yankees, listen, kid was pitching well. Kid was pitching great. Yankees, where's the bunt? <laughs> wait, wait, you're swinging. You're swinging at this kid's stuff. Where is the bunt? Where is something to put him off balance? Mm-hmm. Where is, you know, I, I'm not a guy to take a no-hitter or a one-hitter sitting down, you know. 
I, and then people will say, well, that goes against the unwritten rules. Then write them down. <laughs> I don't want to be here being no hit. Screw that. <laughs> Let me get a butt. Let me, you know. Yeah. You're like, like no, 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 no. That kid was going along great. I mean, that was a dream start. And again, another black guy for the Yankee offense. Just, 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 you see this about to go down, bunt. At least you said you you could say you tried, you know, mm-hmm. instead of sitting there. Oh, oh I know. All right. Um, Tokyo. Yeah. I Listen, if this ain't going to be played in front of fans, that's the whole point of the Olympics, to bring the world together. Yeah. My sister well, said, you know, should cancel and go another year. But again, no, they can't do that. I know that the athletes have put in too much time they, and do all this. They but, weren't. They weren't going to have. They were only going to have Japanese fans anyway in the stands. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't a world event to begin with. And honestly, I think, I think that keeping all of the fans, all of the Japanese fans, home and just playing the games, I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, we we're watching it on TV anyway, which is true. Which is true. Most it's of the just, world is. It, it just feels like a punch in the gut, man. This is supposed to be an event to make you forget about it, and they spike right as this This is the day where most of the teams are beginning to leave. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, seriously, that that's, that's no good. And finally, I'll end with this. Milwaukee, who do you think you're playing? I just, I gotta just ask this question. Who you think you're playing? Cause that defense from the, 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 the five minute mark of the third quarter on, you're leaving guys like Devin Booker and CP3 alone behind the three point line. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't care how much Devin Booker appears to be struggling, or how much you don't trust CP's shoulder. You're leaving him alone behind the three-point line. Me and you could probably make that shot. (sighs) Yo, I'm just saying, you give these guys, these are NBA professional shooters, Uh you give them enough chances without a hand in their face, they will make the shot. And in that fourth quarter, it was raining threes. And and I'm just like... Milwaukee, what, what what are we doing here? What what? Oh, we're gonna go back home and win it. No, no, they got home court. <laughs> <laughs> Being down two zero is very tough. Oh man, but D, see you on, on uh, Sunday morning, and thank you for the time. Yeah, Ben, thanks for the call as always. Uh, yeah, but I, I have no problem, especially you know, with the Olympics being played in front of no fans. I really don't. I mean, me, you. We're not going to Japan to watch Zealand. I would love to, but the reality is most of the world wasn't going anyway. So I'm okay with it as long as it means getting the game off the ground because, or the game is poor off the ground because I think of, as Ben was talking, like athletes like, like Carly Lloyd. She's, what, 37? She was 36. Now she's 37. Next year she would be 38. I don't know if uh, if she would. She's 38 right now. Oh, she's 38 now. She just oh, now turned- yeah, so she just turned 30, or she's going to be 39, actually. When's her birthday? On the 16th of July. Oh, so she's going to be, no way. Yeah, she's going to be born on July 16th, 1982. Wow. So, so now we're looking four years from now, 43. Even, yeah, so no, she's definitely, yeah, this is it for her. And I think of athletes like her, 
There's a couple other ones, but and, and Tobin Heath, she's my age, 33. It's I mean, it's younger, but still. You're getting there, though. That's the thing, you know. I know. As you get older, it's a professional sport, you know. Well, she was hurt. This is the U.S. Women's National Team. She was hurt when she was playing for um, Manchester United. Right. And she came back here to do intensive rehab. And she's playing, and she scored that first goal and within, like, 54 seconds. I was like, Oh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I remember and seeing the that. The game. Oh, I love Tobin. Tobin Heath's my favorite player. She, uh. She wears number 17 like I do. We're both born in May. We are like 10 days apart in the same year and everything. Ah, she's from Jersey. I just, I just oh, like her. Yeah, yeah. I just remember Mia Hamm. You know, that was Mia the, Hamm. that was the first soccer player I grew up. You know, <laughs> rooting. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was thinking, um, I, I, I was, I was with my friend and her husband the other night, and uh, we were talking about just interviews that I've done. I, I got a whole YouTube page and everything, but. Interviews that I've done, and probably the most embarrassing moment came in an interview with Tobin Heath. And what happened was, and you guys can watch it, I guess. I was like, do I cut this out or do I leave it? I ended up leaving it. So what happened was, I was wearing a yellow dress, and uh, there was this big bee flying around. Like the big black, I think they're called carpenter bees, I think. They're big ones flying around. Just one. And it kind of, like, flew by her elbow, and I kind of tried to, like, nonchalantly, like, just with my paper, just kind of, like, shoo it away, sort of. Like, so it just, I don't know. It so was like, sunk? No, no, listen. So I'm like, oh, God. All right. So I just, I thought it worked, and I watched her eyes, like, go above my head, and I'm like, oh, God. And I was like, kind of, like, put my shoulders up to my ears and, like, went down a little bit. And I was, like, just continuing with the interview, you know. And I was like. I said something like, like, where is it? And she was like, oh, it's on you. And I was like, what? She was like, oh, I'm just kidding. Those things don't even sting. Relax. And I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing. She got you. Yeah, then she goes, do you want me to start my answer over? And I was like, no, I'll just keep going. <laughs> it was one of the most embarrassing moments ever. So if you guys wanted to see it, uh, YouTube, I guess, Danielle McCartan, Tobin Heath, I guess it'll come up. But um, I left it in. Why not, right? And and then she said, oh, after it was over, she said, hey, you were wearing a yellow dress. It was attractive to the yellow dress. I said, oh, well, next time I'm with you, I'm not going to wear a yellow dress. And I didn't. And I asked her the next time I interviewed her if she remembered, and she said yes. And I said, well, I'm not wearing a yellow dress this time. And she, and she left. All right, let's go to West Haven, Connecticut. Kyle, you're up on the fan. I, I, um, I, I just want to express there needs to be a mandate, and I, I don't know how they made it this long without one. We have the technology and infrastructure. Every single uh, baseball stadium, as part of zoning uh, and all the money that goes into them, they should all have a retractable roof. I, I really don't, I, and I, I don't want domes. There should be grass, but how do they not all have a retractable roof? You, you have a you have 162 games. There's only 365 in a year. I mean, it, it's it's twice the amount of hockey games and baseball games. You can't just simply play double headers every single day, even if they are seven innings. And it's just ironic. I I feel bad for them. I'm a Yankees fan, but I'm a baseball fan first and foremost. And I actually, you know, if I'm not watching the Yankees, I root for the Mets. And Mm -hmm. I actually feel bad for them. And it's ironic because they're the team that has babied pitchers all the way back to, you know, Thor and, and Harvey. And, you know, they are just the wimpiest group when it comes to pitching. And they play a doubleheader just about every day. So, I mean, they're just doing it to themselves at this point. And I, I just I, – I can't understand why a single game should ever be canceled when 
the other three major sports never cancel a single one. It just it's incomprehensible to me. So yeah, Kyle, I think it's a good point. Um, I'm just thinking as you were talking of the stadiums that I've been to. I've been to I think 20 out of the 30. My favorite ones are the ones with the retractable roofs. To be honest with you, the the Brewers Stadium I loved. Probably one of the most underrated stadiums is the Arizona Diamondbacks one. Again, they both have retractable roofs, and so I'm with you on that. But you know, again, when you build them, I mean, it costs money and, and taxpayer money with that. So the one thing, though, I will say, and and I thought my mind went to football because you said any sport can be played. You know, so I thought of football and I thought of the. Las Vegas Raiders, beautiful stadium out there in Vegas that cost, you know, uh, mostly the same as MetLife Stadium, mostly. It's got, it, there will be never a game canceled there. It's got a retractable roof and with panoramic sliding indoors so you could see the strip. I mean, it's just beautiful. And then when you look at the same dollar amount or similar port price points, right, due to inflation, things like that. I know MetLife Stadium was built years ago, but... MetLife Stadium is just, it's not good. It's really not good. $1.6 billion. Give me a break. Is that what it costs to build that? Around there, yeah. yeah. Definitely the Come billions. On. And we paid for it. The taxpayers, we paid for it part, in part. It's ridiculous. It's ugly. It was only there for one for one event and one thing only, and they got it in 2014. Yeah, the Super Bowl. So they'll never get They lucked out with, with the weather. I know, because it snowed. It snowed the next day. Yeah. I remember it was, you know, what, like 50 degrees that night in February? And yeah. then... Yeah, they got the game, and then they had the snow. A lot of snow. Yeah, you'll never see that again. I was thinking about that today, actually. It's funny you say that, because I was thinking about, like... The worst Super Bowl to ever happen. No, like, like will will we ever get another Super Bowl here? I was thinking about that. Not in this stadium. No way. It depends what the Jets want to do down the road. I mean, they have an agreement with the Giants, but 15 years from now, you're going to want your own stadium. And I think down the road, Woody or whoever the owner is going to be, they're going to try to bring them back to Long Island. Um, and every Jeff fan would love that. Oh, I would not. I would not go to a game in Long Island. You know, the Nassau Coliseum is the only, like, the Islanders are the only team I've never seen play live. It's just too far. How, how far are you out from uh Well, Burton, well Burton County. It's just a Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not distance-wise far. It's traffic-wise oh, far. Oh, the BQE. Give me a break. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's it's the only place, the only team I've never seen play is the Islanders. And I regret that, not going to the barn watching it on TV and things like that. Oh, well, you live and you learn, and, you know, we got a new state-of-the-art uh, arena coming next year. UBS. We'll see. We shall see. So, uh, with the NBA Finals upon us, and the Suns are leading the series 2-0 to zero over the Milwaukee Bucks, I know neither of our teams are in it, but if they were, who would you want to sit courtside with? It could be anyone from sports, pop culture, whatever. But whoever it is, they must be living. They must be alive. So let's say that you could pick, let's say, two people to go with you to watch an NBA Finals game courtside. I want you to tell me who you're picking and who you're choosing to roll in your squad with you to the NBA Finals. You can either tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or 877-337-6666 is the number. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh. 
Listen to Moose and Maggie, middays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan at 2.23 in the morning. The NBA Finals are upon us, and while, you know, the Knicks aren't in them uh, and the Nets are not in them, I wanted to – this is a question I had seen posed somewhere, and I I thought it elicited a good response. And so if you were to go to a Finals game, my question was, who would you want to sit courtside with? And the rule is you could pick two people. But they must, they have to be alive. And they can be from any genre, you know, whatever. Sports, movies, popcorn, whatever. Here are my two choices. First person I'd like to sit courtside with, Drake. I'm like, you know, he's a fun time. Party a little bit. I would be totally entertained completely at every point. Then the other person I want to sit on the other side of me, to talk some X's and O's with the ultimate, the best player to ever play the game, I want Michael Jordan sitting next to me. I just feel like this would be a really good balance for me where I could be the sports nerd with Michael Jordan, still have a good time with Drake at the same time. Who are your two, Kevin? Man, you're really putting me on the spot right now. Um, as you were going, I'm, I'm thinking, because, like, who, who on earth would I sit with? So it could be a celebrity, it could be Anybody. an athlete. Oh, boy. You want to get back? Definitely the one per. I mean, you never really see him at sporting. I mean, you see him in Robert Kraft's suite all the time, but I guess John Bon Jovi would be a good one to see. That's another good because one. Because he is a sports guy mm-hmm. and, you know, a Jersey guy. So, you know, we have something in common and something I can, you know, go back and forth and, you know, make sure to call him a sports fraud because he did jump teams from the Giants to the Patriots. I know that, yeah. Make that well known. Yes. But the other guy, hmm. Well, I got one now. I would say Jack Nicholson, go old school, because he is always, you know, courtside. So, you know, just having that hmm. experience. Although I do I do hear he's not a, good, a, a friendly person, though. Oh, I've never so met him. I don't know. I have heard a lot of bad stories. You know, he's just not a nice guy. Okay. But right. you always see him, you know, courtside at the Staples Center. And you got a, a Justin Cantor on Twitter. He's saying, for me, courtside at MSG would be Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel, one on each side. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, this is fun. This is fun. Kevin in Camden says he'd have Becky Hammond. Cool. Good stuff. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Bensonhurst, Queens. Dave, you're up on the fan. Hey, how are you, Daniel? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm going to give you my, my two uh, off-the-wall picks for the, for the court side. I'm going to go with J.B. Smooth, you know, from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes. He's a big. He did a lot of MSG shows too. He's a big basketball fan, so I have him to my left for X's and O's. Okay. And to my right, I'm going to have a commentator, a wrestling commentator, Paul Heyman. <laughs> Why? To just to sit there and commentate the game for you? Just, just because he'll make it entertaining. Because anything that guy does is gold. All right, so. I like it. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on board. All right. All right. So what's cooking um, in Brooklyn tonight? So, listen, I, I just feel like uh, I'm so glad that we did not pay Michael Conforto, you know. Like, I, listen, we cannot bring this guy back. He has to they, – they have to let him go. We got I, – I I want to tell Marte if it's possible. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know his mm-hmm. situation, but 
at least this money is available to I don't know who's available in the off season, but we can this guy is too streaky and too inconsistent and we just can't have that anymore. I mean we got to do something. We, you know, with Steve Cohen, I'm happy he's here because he made a comment a couple of months ago. You heard it. You commented about it, saying that uh, we're not going to go over the luxury tax just for a couple million. We're going to go over. We're going to go over big. Mm-hmm. So you know they're going to do something to improve this team by the end of this month. But like, like I in my tweet that I sent you, mm-hmm. like who do you like in that? You know, out of those players, and do you think any of them are possible? Well. First, let me ask you. So, do you trade Conforto then now? Who's going to take him? Mm, I don't know. Somebody <laughs> see the thing is you, you got to say, hey, like he's a really good player when he's on. He, you know, you sell him on the change of scenery sort of sort of thing. Listen, if you, if, if they could do that, I'm all, I'm all, I'll drive them there. Because, no, because, because you know why? Because I, he, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in the 2020 right. at the end of this season. So, you, if you're not planning to re-sign Michael Conforto then right. you might as well get something for him. Absolutely, but I'm just feeling like he's batting like 200 now. He He's like, I think he's, what they say, 5 for 38 or something since he came back, some ridiculous yeah, number like that. Like that. Yep. It, it's just not good. And the other thing I wanted to comment to you is, what is it with Rojas? Why does he, like, I feel like all in all he's done a decent job, but, like, he just baffles me with his uh, pitching maneuver. Like, why do you keep bringing... Diaz into a game when it's not a safe situation. Know. When you know that he's got mental issues that he cannot concentrate yes. unless it's a safe situation. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had the and answer. Every, and everybody else was available the other, the other night. And he, he got lucky. He wound up winning the game. But, I mean, how many times is that going to happen? No, I know. And, and and I've had it up to here with Miguel Castro. Oh, he, he th- this is why the Orioles got rid of him. Now, his ball doesn't sink anymore. It stays up. I think he. I think he's another guy that was using the stuff, and now since he's not using it, yeah. it corresponds to the same time frame. And, and I hate to say it too, but to a lesser extent, I think Strowman too, because his ball isn't going. He's not thinking anymore either. Huh. Yeah, I haven't studied you know either of the two of them like I like I've studied Chapman and uh, and Cole, but right. it's possible. I mean, it is. I'm a I'm a diehard Mets fan, so that's why I noticed these things, but. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, that other caller, what was his name? The, the guy that he always has all those great quizzes for you? Oh, Vernon. <laughs> oh, he's tremendous. I love that guy. Yeah, and he he was, I, I heard him in the car this afternoon with uh, Moose and Kim Jones, mm-hmm. and he said the same exact thing. And uh, so somebody looked it up, and, and they said he was spot on. Yeah, he was. And Kevin found the video. He was spot on. I, I retweeted it if he wanted to find it. Uh, I retweeted Kevin's tweet. Yeah. Well, I also uh, sent that. I I I retweeted it and tagged MLB in it. So. Yeah, and I, and I tagged Corbin well, Corbin Burns in it. So we'll see if we get a response from either of them. Okay. <laughs> well, have a good night and be safe driving home. Well, Dave, thanks. I appreciate that. You got it. Yeah, that is one thing I'm a little bit worried about is driving home in this uh, in this weather. But we'll see. It, it looks like it's trekked to the east a little bit, so I might be able to make it. Well, you were saying it's going like towards east, like. In- Towards the water and all. Yeah, I, well, I hate you know it's bad news for the people that are there. But I mean, I'm in Monmouth County in Jersey, so Ooh. I don't know what I'm driving uh, home into. Oh no! We leave at the same time. You leaving with me at the same time? Uh, I, I may have to stay a few minutes after, but around the same time. Yeah. Both. All right. Well, good luck to you too. <laughs> uh, let's go, Johnny in Milford, Connecticut. Johnny, you're up on the fan. What's up? Yeah, how are you? I'm good. How are Talking you? Talking about people you like to share with. I was thinking uh, I would like to sit with Samuel Jackson and Spike Lee. 
I, I, I've seen Spike Lee. I know it's commercial and everything, and they all friends and stuff, but I would love to sit with them. I, I, I've seen Spike at Yankee games, front row and everything, but I never got a chance to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I mean, I would really love to sit down and watch a game with them two cats. I think those are two good choices, and Spike Lee's fun for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Johnny, good choices. I'm with you. All right. <laughs> Sounds like oh, I should have kept it. Sound like Matthew. All right, all right, all right. Sound a little bit like Matthew McConaughey. I, I'm surprised that none of us actually thought about Spike Lee because you yeah. see him at the Garden. I, I think he's just and, like he's just a staple that you're just like, all right, he's going to be there anyway. Why would I take him? That's true. Him, Tracy Morgan, you know, they're, yeah. they're all there. I know. I think Tracy Morgan had a giant game one time. Oh really? Yeah, he has, I, a, he has a sweet. How's he in person? Oh, I never met. I mean, I saw him. Oh, okay. I thought you he was like him. waving to the crowd. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got a we got a bunch of these coming out on Twitter. This is this is good. Uh, we've got <laughs> someone by the name of Clark Griswold. That's <laughs> funny because my dad always called my brother Mr. Papa Giorgio growing up. But uh, Clark Griswold says he wants to sit with. Scarlett Johansson and Mila Kunis, duh, but really Gronk and Jeter. Oh, Gronk would be so fun to sit with. Yeah. Oh, man, let's go through a few. All right, now I'm getting a whole bunch of – it's hard to keep up with these tweets here. Um, uh, Magic Johnson and Shaquille O'Neal met Shaq twice, and he's absolutely hilarious, and Magic was brilliant on the court and my favorite basketball player of all time at the Big Ruse. This is all good. All good stuff. But I'm surprised that no one saw, like, uh, said, like, uh, Kevin Durant and things like that. But I guess if you're a Nets fan, you'd hope that he'd be playing in it, of course. So if you guys want to tell me who you want to sit with, 877-337-6666. I'm just getting a ton of tweets. It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N through here. Uh, I'm going through them, going through them. Sorry if I missed any. It's 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 hard to keep up with these. But um, oh, I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, when you look at, oh, let's see. Do we want to do Mets or Yankees here? Let's do. All right, let's do this. I know Steve Cohen tweeted, and I, again, I wasn't happy about the tweet that he had sent out earlier on Thursday about. You know, ooh, I can't. Do I make the rain delay call? Yeah, you make the rain delay call. You, you delay the game because at that time it was already going to be it was flood watch, all tropical storm, whatever. It was we were already underneath underneath all of those warnings. So at that point, yes, you don't need to be a weatherman or a weather woman to make that call. Call it done. He, but he did tweet something I liked last week. He said, "All I know is we are one day closer to the black jerseys." And then the Friday night, I guess it was two weeks ago at this point, a message on the scoreboard said that the black jerseys are back sometime in July. So it's July 9th. So Swift has a song, it's July 9th. But, so I'm telling you that I can't wait for the Mets to debut these black uniforms. I love them. And it was, so the black uniforms, as you know, were part of the Mets uniform rotation from 1998 to 2011. So the other day, the Yes Network, on one of the rain delay days, I'm losing track, but the Yes Network had on the rerun of the 2000 World Series. 
and they just it just reminded me how sharp they look, really. And so the black jerseys have really adamant some uh, supporters among the Mets. Pete Alonso wants them. Dom Smith, Marcus Stroman, J.D. Davis. It's going to happen. And I'm wondering if I can look at the Mets schedule. Do they have any home Friday night games? Let's see. They do. The, I, I'm circling the 23rd of July as a black jersey night or the 30th. They're both home on those Friday night games. Ben from Queens says he wants to sit on Twitter. He tweeted me. He said he wants to sit with Chris Rock and Billy Crystal at a Subway Series game. No doubt. All right. Well, now we're, we're expanding into baseball, I see. And Kevin Rivera says uh, Steve Carell and John Cena would be other options. Yes. I got Out of all the suggestions you guys have been giving, I got to say, Gronk. How did I not? I mean, Gronk is the ultimate. He would be so fun to sit with for sure. Good choice. Let's go to Dave in Westchester. You're up next on the fan. Yeah. Uh, hi, Daniel. Great show. Um, I'm a fan. I don't call often, but I really like like what you do on on, uh, on the fan. Uh, well, I, w- I would like to sit courtside with the boss. I don't mean George Steinbrenner because he's not around anymore, but I'm talking about Springsteen because yeah. uh, you know, he wrote the song Glory Days, and, mm-hmm. and he's really adorable and a star for a really long time. And I think he'd be great to sit with. And the other person I'd like to sit with for the same reason in her field over a really long period of time, I'm a huge tennis fan, would be Serena Williams. Mm. I think they'd they'd be great to sit with on courtside. I like it. Good choices. And Bruce Springsteen, uh, are you from... No, you're from Westchester. I was going to say you're from Jersey by any chance, but no. West- well, I go down to the Jersey Shore a lot, so, you know, I've been there in Asbury Park and, mm-hmm. you know, hang out there, et cetera. So, not from that area, but I but I like it a lot, vacation there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Springsteen and Williams it is. I like it. I do like it. And we've got, uh, can we do one more? No, we're going to break. Okay, we got one quick, quick, quick break coming up. You guys know the Astros are pulling out all of the stops later today and this entire upcoming weekend when the big bad Yankees come to town. What do I mean by that? I'll fill you in. Coming right up. Listen to Boomer and Geo, morning 6 to 10 on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Welcome back to The Fan. Tim McCartan after midnight here on The Fan on this Friday morning. And this is a perfect song. This is like a, a bad song, right? This is Astronaut in the Ocean, by the way. Pumps me up. Now, the remix is, is better, but there, there, there's curse words on it, so we can't play it here. But if you look it up, remix to Astronaut in the Ocean. It's good. But so the Houston Astros, the most unapologetic team that I think I've ever seen in sports have again proved why they are the vile mortal enemy why 29 other teams join in the hating of the Astros why there's an F. Altuve chant every single time I've been to Yankee Stadium so far this season have you seen the Astros upcoming promotional schedule well here are the Yankee game giveaways at Minute Maid Park this weekend later today Friday July 9th 2019 AL Champs Replica Trophy Night. Next, Saturday, the, the July 10th, 
is uh, AL Champs Replica Ring Night. And you got Saturday on July 11th is the Jose Altuve Replica Jersey Day. They're such trolls. I wonder if it's going to be a button-up or a pullover because, you know, Jose Altuve, he, he didn't want to be in, pulled off of him and ripped off of him that night because he didn't want to see the tattoo, bad tattoo, right? I, I thought I, there was no way I could hate the Houston Astros even more. And doing this this weekend, it's just such a troll. And, and, you know, there's nothing that they can do because at the end of the day, yes, they did win in 17 and they won in 19. Right. You know, it's and there's nothing that you can do. Nothing. How about everyone trolling the New York Yankees? Because a couple of weeks ago in Boston when Pedroia got, yeah. you know, we're, what's Jacoby Ellsbury doing? I know. And, then, I and know. now we got to do this weekend again? Like, come on. Well, you know what? Everybody loves to hate the Yankees. And you know what? The way that the Yankees are performing overall this season, I think this giveaway at, at, in Houston just adds insult to injury. But you know what? Helps them sleep at night. Helps them sell tickets on a weekend series. You know, it is what it is. Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. Kevin is standing by waiting for your calls. We have a couple spots open for you guys. So 877-337-6666. Carmen in Linden, New Jersey. You're up next on The Fan. Hello, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm, I'm good, too. Just wondered, uh, one one quick question. Do you prefer being called Coach or Danielle? Oh, whatever you want to call me. It doesn't matter. Whatever you feel comfortable with. In your life, if you like the, the, the term being called Coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind. Yeah, I, I am. I was. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Sure, yes. Okay, great. Oh, well, then I'll call you Coach. Got it. Coach, coach Danielle. Um, quick question. Do you, have you heard anything? About, I'm I'm a 72 year old guy. I've been a Yankee fan since I'm seven years old. When number seven came up in 1954, Mickey Mantle, I've gone through all the stuff. The one thing that I enjoy, forget the All Star Game and everything, but I love what they continue to do, being old timers day. Have you heard anything about an announcement if they're going to hold Old Timers Day this year? I have not. I don't know. Uh, I guess there's a chance. They didn't have it last year with the pandemic. Um, I, they may have a chance here to uh, to stop it. I hope they they never do. But I guess that's in play that that it may have they may end it. No, they'll never end it. I hope. No. I hope you. And I think I think you're right. I mean, it's it's the greatest day and. In, in Yankee history, and I love it. Okay, leaving that alone, our comment about the Yankees. Uh, again, the back-and-forth play with uh, all the runs they scored and then to get shut out here 4 nothing on one hit yes. by, uh, by uh, John Carlos Stanton oh, out of everybody. It's John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, the guy without a glove. Um, yeah. It, it, and again, I'm a, Yan- I'm a tremendous Yankee fan. I just – and I watched Boyd. Again, he just had a seven seven hits. He was using all fields, and again, he went back to being pull happy. Yep. yep. Then again, and he went back to being pull happy. Yep. I just, I, I, I just don't see them, and I hope I'm dead wrong. I don't see them making any run. They start and stop so many times this year, and here's another example. Every time I say to myself, this could be the start, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'll never stop watching them. But I, I, I don't believe they have it in them. No. And this, 
Uh, yeah, Carmen, I think the Yankees just lacked the, 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 the killer instinct. As I said in the open, they just lacked the, They could not put a Mariners team, who is technically worse than them, away. They just couldn't do it. And what is that going to look like when, when they got, uh, what is it, five games, six games versus the Red Sox coming up? Yep. They've got a series versus the, the Tampa Bay Rays coming up. And then they got yep. the, the Houston Astros starting tonight. I mean, it's, it's, and, this, and that brings them all the way up to the trade deadline with two games against the Phillies, you know, sprinkled in. They're not yeah. in a good position. I don't think and so. This should be, this should be interesting uh, with playing Houston, who I also who I, who I hate. Also, I love what you just brought up. I knew about those giveaways, mm-hmm. adding to injury. I can't stand them, and I can't stand Altuve. And it's been that that way, uh, you know, go, going back. But it should be interesting with Cole facing them, what he does, because this could be a real uh, indicator. If he's really able to, uh, to to turn things around this year, not turn things around. If he's really able to pitch, uh, uh, with you know, to be able to pitch like he did without the the, the ability to with, with the spin rate, the what the the, the RPM, the drop in spin rate. Yeah. I I I hope he doesn't crash and burn, but um, He's really affected by it. Danielle, do, uh, Coach Danielle, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. All the best, and you do a, do a great job. Uh, you amaze me with, uh, with, with all your knowledge. Take well, care. Carmen, I appreciate it. We'll talk this weekend, I hope. All right, you will. Thank you. All right, thanks, Carmen. I think oh, there's a, there was a lot there. So I, I don't think the Yankees are poised to make a run as constructed. I think they don't. They lack the killer instinct, like I said, and I think that all emanates from the manager, the person at the top, who's in the in the clubhouse with those guys every single day. And with that said, if they were to make some changes, which I think Brian Cashman might be coming around to doing, honestly, when because when you look at the acquisition of Tim LaCastro, I mean, he Tim LaCastro. He he's the he, I've said before he's the anti-Yankee. Tim, he steals bases. He's like fast. I mean the guy is fast. MLB considers him uh, so so Statcast. They say if you run thirty feet per second, you are an elite runner. Well, Tim Castro runs thirty point seven feet per second. And for those of us here on planet Earth, that that's 20.93 miles an hour. That's his average sprint speed. I mean, so this is – we're not talking like, uh, you know, Gary Sanchez on the base paths here or John Carlos Stanton on the base paths. Right? Pick any of them. And then he's got a career fielding percentage of 1,000 in two outfield spots. So I like it. I think the guy – honestly – what I what, the other thing I was looking for in in the game on on Thursday night's game was can LaCastro be a leadoff hitter? Now now hear me out because of the speed. I mean you saw him leg out what was a regular single. He made it into a double. It took the center fielder by surprise, and he was safe. So I'm thinking, and, and then he ended up scoring. DJ LeMahieu uh, hit it to I think it was center field. LoCastro tagged up and went on to third, and then Aaron Judge hit a two-run home run. Not that that was like a manufacturer run, but you know what I'm saying, right? So, so my whole point being that I, I, my wish is that they would drop Aaron Judge in the order a little bit, just a little bit, maybe 
three or four, four. I would probably say four. And I was trying to see what a lineup would look like with Locastro batting leadoff, LeMayu batting second, and then maybe Aaron Judge batting third for, for argument's sake here. And in that game on Saturday, the Yankees had a chance. They had a chance at the top of the third. They had Locastro leading off. And then followed by LeMahieu and Judge. I was like, oh, this is the perfect setup. I, I, I need to pay attention to what's going on here. But Locastro struck out swinging. So there was that. Then they had another chance in the top of the sixth. Nothing doing. So I'm going to continue to watch that. I like it because they haven't batting ninth now. And I get it, you know, Gardner 8. Locastro nine, I get it, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of like him as a leadoff hitter in theory because of his speed and because of what he can do on the base paths. Because of you know he can take a little bit of the pitcher's attention away. You know what I'm saying? So Tim Locastro may be a hint in the way in which the Yankees might be going at the trade deadline. We'll see. But for me, that's a good sign. I mean, isn't he so he's likable, too? He's such a likable kid. He said, I, he's from New York, upstate New York, I think uh, in or near Syracuse. But he said, I can't wait to get started with this team. It's a dream come true. And then that first game at Yankee Stadium, he, had, he said he had 40 to 50 family and friends in attendance. 40 to 50. So, I don't know. And then, and then another thought I had, now the Subway Series is over, I was thinking just the, about the composition of the Yankees as I'm sitting there watching the game. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, who is the guy that keeps it light? Who is the Francisco Lindor of that Yankee team? Keeping things loose, keeping things fun. Who is that guy for the Yankees? And I really am thinking, I'm like, you got Brett Gardner banging his helmet on the dugout roof uh, last weekend like a moron, so it's not him. Can't be Aaron Judge because he's the one who called the team meeting. So from my experience as a coach and as a player, typically those players, like the ones that take the initiative to do something like that, are not the ones that are doing the joking around and stuff. So I'm going to rule him out. I kind of by default, landed on Rugnan Odor. Like he's the only one I can kind of like think of. I, I know that's not a good answer, but who is the guy that keeps it light for the Yankees? Who is it? Because that's, to me, in what I've seen on my own teams that I've played on and what I've seen in all of the many teams that I've coached over the past 10-plus years, and I'm not talking about like rec league. I'm talking about like competitive teams. I mean, that is an important component on the makeup of a team. Like, it, it just, you can't fill it out in the stat sheet. You know, you have the kids that, like, I'll be honest, I'm very serious. I, you know, and you kind of look at those kids that, because that, I coach kids, that kind of bring levity to the situation. And, like, not that they make fun of what's going on, but, like, they bring levity to the situation and then loosens everybody up, including me at times. So Francisco Lindor is definitely that guy. For the Mets. But, I, you know, and I look up and down this, this roster and this lineup for the Yankees. It's like, 
who is it? I mean, you got DJ LeMayhew barking at at, a, at, a, at Kendall Graveman. Graveman? I guess that's how you say it. After he almost hit him today. I mean, granted, it, it skimmed his jersey. I mean, it didn't hit him. The pitch really didn't hit DJ LeMayhew, and he's going down the first base barking at him. And it's not like they have any sort of history with each other either. It's just... What was it? I don't know. It's not levity. I'll tell you that much, right? So DJ LeMayhew said the inside pitches, this is after the game, the inside pitches to both him and Rubenet Odor looked suspicious. And he he didn't really enunciate, so I watched it like two or three times just to make sure that's what he said. He said the inside pitches to both him and Rubenet Odor looked suspicious. And he also confirmed that there's no history between him and, and the pitcher. So... That's not levity. And then and then here's here's the truth. He said it was a frustrating game for us. Well, there you go. So DJ LeMay who's taking his frustrations out on the opposing pitcher, not in a good way, clearly, but in a way that you know, he uh really shouldn't have done it to be honest with you. And I like DJ LeMay who has a player, but come on. You didn't get hit. I could see if you got beamed in the face or something, you know, something like that. It skimmed the, the button on his jersey. Come on. Come on there. So it's not DJ LeMahieu. I mean, I'm going down the list here. It, Giancarlo Stanton, I don't know if I've ever seen the guy smile. Uh, Luke Voigt, he doesn't strike me as like a, like a, he's a passionate guy for sure, but he doesn't strike me as like a loose guy. Maybe it could be Glaber Torres. Have him hit the ball first. Well, that's the thing. I know. I know. I'm looking at it. I mean, he's got five RBIs in the, in the past five games coming into to that game where the Yankees got one hit. So I kind of throw that out of the – but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And, and and I see that's probably part of the problem here. And that's why I think Tim LeCastro was it was a great ad on many different levels because I think he uh, I think he brings something to the table for that team, and I would like to see more of it, honestly, for for the Yankees. Shake this up a little bit. And move Aaron Judge down in the lineup, for God's sake. Come on already. Batting second. sixty Something like 66 or two-thirds of the Yankees' home runs are solo home runs. Well, last I checked, a bunch of solo runs or even one or two, they don't win games like that. Right? And, and there was something that I that I picked up on really quickly with, with Alex Rodriguez. And I know people hate Alex Rodriguez in the booth. But I don't particularly mind him. Let's put it that way. I don't mind him. As much as people hate him, I don't mind him. And he said something that I've been saying here for a long time. But he said it in a different way. What Alex Rodriguez said was, this is my paraphrasing now, but Alex Rodriguez pointed to the fact that Aaron Judge is the everyday left fielder. Seeing spot number two in the order consistently. And Alex Rodriguez, who's played the game at a very high level, saw that as part of the reason for Aaron Judge's success this season. That, as I've been telling you guys, works in a different direction too. Because when you're not getting everyday reps, when you're not batting in the same spot every day, when you're, when you've, you know what I'm getting at here, right? When you've been told that you are the everyday left fielder, and then you're not. 
You know? I don't know. Clark Griswold, again, from left field, says the Yankees are missing the Nick Swisher type of personality. We need that guy. I didn't care for Nick Swisher because when he struck out, it bothered me when he left back to the dugout. That bothered me about Nick Swisher. Although he was the guy who was blasting the music on the way into the stadium. He was the guy that was the DJ in the clubhouse. He was keeping it light. But the one thing I did not like about Nick Swisher was his that smirk, that smile, that laugh on his walk back to the dugout. So we've got a Bob Hughes. Hi, B-minus. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got an update from Bob Hughes, sir, coming your way. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. This is our last top of the hour rejoin. This is my last hour here on The Fan. Your phone calls have been great. Let's keep them coming. 877-337-6666. I've got the radar on in the studio here. And Kevin actually has it on in the producer's room. At the same, we didn't realize. We were both looking at it. It's going to be a rough drive home, everybody. So I don't know what it looks like out there now, but please be safe. Go slow. And remember, don't drive through puddles on the roadway, please. Um, all right. So most of this show tonight, we've got a Giants call, which is pretty cool. Most of the show has been Yankees and Mets, which is cool because it's July, and it should be Yankees and Mets. And the, the song that I opened with for the, for the for the Yankees, that is, was with the real New York Yankees, please stand up. Like, you know, Eminem. I mean, we're going to have a problem in Houston. Right? That's the lyrics in the song. We're going to have a problem here. We're going to have a problem in Houston. If what the Yankees mustered in Game 3 of that Seattle series continues, it's just the roller coaster ride of the New York Yankees. When they're up, they're up. And when they're down, they're really down. So... That the Yankees needed to take, needed to sweep that series, three games, and they were not able to. And they just are lacking that that killer instinct to go in for the kill, to put the team away, and they just couldn't do it. In fact, they had more hit by pitches, like Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu were both hit by pitches, and DJ LeMahieu had barely. It, Skim the buttons on his jersey, right? But they had more hit by pitches than they had hits. That's a huge issue because after you put up 17 runs in the first two games, and you, you you muster one hit in the third game of the series against a rookie pitcher, it's just it's just that's but that's the Yankees this season. That's what they are this season. I told you from the beginning it was going to be a roller coaster. I told you to buckle up. And I hope you're still buckled up. Because on top of all of that, all of those things I just said, in Game 3, they didn't have a single base runner between when Luke Voigt was hit by a pitch in inning number 2 and when DJ LeMahieu was hit by a pitch in inning number 9. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. 22 Yankees in a row were retired by the Mariners. 22 in a row. 18 of those were by the starting pitcher, the rookie. So this was just, you know, 
I don't know. I, I was Yankee fan. Oh, was the Mets series rock bottom? I don't know if there's a concrete answer to that. Because after two games of surging slugging, Thursday night's game was just right back. It's like two steps forward, one step back. The lifeless Yankees, the, the apathetic, the ineffective, the whatever, you name it. And there was not, I watched every pitch of that game, and there was not one time where I said to myself anyway, hey, they really got something going on here offensively. Let's, let's see what they can do here. There wasn't one single time where that happened. And that's the problem. Because once they get down, and I mentioned it in the first month of the season, I noticed this, and I said it again earlier this week, the Yankees struggle when they play from behind. In fact, after Thursday night's loss, they are 15-29 and 29 when they allow the first run of the game. I challenged you before, I'll challenge you again. Which of these teams does not belong in this list? We've got a list of Rangers, Royals, Orioles, Yankees. Of course, the Yankees, right? The other teams, they stink. Well, not exactly, because it's kind of like a trick question. Because in terms of runs scored in the first inning, or runs allowed in the first inning, I should say, the Yankees fit right in with those teams. The Yankees are fourth in the league in allowing first inning runs. 55 of them. And that is not a recipe for success. So out of all those stinky teams, the Yankees belong right in with them at this, uh, you know, in this metric. The players acknowledge it. Aaron Judge told you that the flow of the game is different. Our pitchers are able to attack guys differently. Guys at the plate may be a little bit more comfortable knowing that we've already got a lead. I can now really focus on trying to get my pitch and drive it, not try to do too much, got to blah, blah, blah. But wait a second. Back up. Like the, the record scratches, right? Wait a second. Get my pitch and drive it at that point? Shouldn't that always be the mentality at the plate? Get your pitch and drive it? Because he actually said, you got to hit a homer here. i got to do more than what's asked of me. No. You should always be looking to just get your pitch and drive it. That's it. I, I mean, in my silly women's league, that's my mentality at the plate. Which, by the way, I told you guys the other day. I'll tell you now. I used a composite bat for the first time at practice the other day. Oh, my God. What have I been missing? Honestly. Like, they didn't want to field. They were, like, moving out of the way to field my grounders. They were moving out of the way i got to invest in one of those. That's besides the point. So getting back to the essential question here, did the Yankees depart for Houston from Seattle with a renewed sense of hope? That I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Because, again, they couldn't put it away. And when you look at what the, the trend of the Yankees, they, they're 4-8 and eight since the beginning of that most recent Boston series. And that's not good because this team needs to be way better than that if they even want to sniff the postseason. Because you can get all excited about Seattle. Sure, taking two out of three. Nice, right? Better than whatever. But entering that series, the Mariners were 26th in runs per game, 25th in slugging percentage, last in batting average, and last in on-base percentage. So not that great. So a cautionary tale of fans of the Yankees, temper your excitement a little bit. The Yankees are supposed to beat the Mariners. It's a very slim margin, but the Yankees entering a, a Thursday night's game 
had a better winning percentage than the Mariners. They're supposed to beat them. The real test for the Yankees is going to be in the next coming, I don't want to say weeks to be dramatic, but look at the next opponents, next four teams that they play, right? The Houston Astros, that series starts later tonight, Friday night. Houston Astros have a winning percentage of 621. Oh, and by the way, they're atop the AL West. Yankees play the Boston Red Sox, winning percentage of 614. AL East leading Red Sox. By the way, the Yankees haven't beaten them yet this season. 0 for 6. Then, the Tampa Bay Rays. They got a 586 winning percentage. Oh, they're second place in the AL East. So when I'm looking at this, the only sweepable series is the Philadelphia Phillies one, which is only a two-game series. Because, again, the Yankees are the better team than the Phillies. They're supposed to beat them, and twice. Yankees are not supposed to beat any of those other teams. But that's, I know, why you play the game. But, I don't know, I, I gave three easily implementable start-this-tomorrow ways to short-term fix this team. One of them was to have Chad Green in the closers role. No ifs, ands, or buts. Get Chapman out of there. I can't watch a role this Chapman anymore and that face... I know Yankee fans, you know it well. That face, the oops, I did it again face. I just can't watch it anymore. So get him out of the closer role. Let him figure out how to pitch a ball without spider tack on it anymore because the numbers are out. out, out. They're astounding, I should say. Not outstanding. They're astounding. A role this Chapman without the spider tack is, I mean, Awful. Let's just put it that way. Let's just call it what it is. Awful. He's he's given up two home runs already in the four games without it. In the 29 games before it, he gave up three home runs. I mean, let's just go like this. His ERA is now a 34.71 since the crackdown. Since the crackdown, his walks per game are 34.3. I know it's a small sample size. I know it's four games, but that's the mark of delineation for me that June 21st, before, after. Batting average against, 462. I mean, enough already. And you got Aaron Boone saying, oh, yeah, we could have used him in a, in a uh, save situation. What are you thinking? No. Put Chad Green in there. And then Zach Britton, when he comes back, which might be, should be, could be this weekend, I think he would be a good closer too. But he hasn't seen the field for a while. So what I would do is I would get him back up to game speed. I would put him as, as the, uh, the setup man. And then I'd have Chad Green knock him down. Because Chad Green has been excellent. Excellent. Second thing, we're leading up to the trade deadline here. I love the shift in mentality of the diversification of this roster because I point to a guy like Tim LoCastro. We got into some arguments earlier tonight about uh, Tim LoCastro. He's just, I think Jack Curry used the phrase, he's just the anti-Yankee at this point. He steals bases, he gets on you know, to the best of his ability, batting ninth in the order. But he's just a threat. He's he's a nagging person on the base path for a pitcher and a defense. They have to account for him. Because in the other game, I, I mentioned a few times where he, he had the single, and then he went, he, he, had, he was thinking double all the way. He said that after the game. But everybody else thought he was thinking single. The center fielder comes up with the ball, and he's, like, surprised that, that LoCastro is, is already on second base or near it. That's what the Yankees need. The Yankees are the worst in, in base running metrics, which I've looked at. 
They are the worst base running team. And that takes into account, you know, stolen bases, caught stealings, situational base, all of it. It, it. it encompasses all of it. And the Yankees are the worst team in the league. The Mets are not much better. They're like one rung above the Yankees in that, in that too, So just so you know. But if, if that's the direction in which Brian Cashman's going to go at the trade deadline, which I hope he does go at the trade deadline, that's the formula. And the third thing is move Aaron Judge down in the order. There's no reason why he should be batting number two. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of saying it. How many times? Yeah, it's two-thirds of the Yankees' home runs have been solo home runs. That means one run comes across. Just one. Move Aaron Judge down in the order because I point to the other day, LeCastro, it was 9-1-2. LeCastro let off, DJ LeMayhew, and then Aaron Judge. LeCastro got on, Judge hit a two-run home run. That's the change that needs to be made now. And then the Mets, we talked a little bit about the, the seven-inning doubleheaders. I think they're here to stay, honestly, I think. But at this point, right now, we can't conjecture about the future because there's a new CBA. There's a lot that goes into this, right? But at this point in time, I think that the frustration among fans becomes, well, I paid for a nine-inning game on Thursday, and now I'm getting a seven-inning game on on Sunday. And the game was called once I was already at the stadium, once I already paid for parking, once I already bought a beer and a a bucket of chicken fingers and fries, and then the game got called. You feel duped, I'm sure. So here's my solution. I'm very solution-based. Here's my solution. Okay. Everybody has to get into the ballpark with the MLB ballpark app, which I am not a fan of. It's kind of difficult to use, actually, and I'm pretty good at this stuff. I'm a digital native, and really not that easy to use. That's besides the point, which then means that everybody has an MLB.com account, right? So here's the the deal. For a seven-inning Met game that you're expecting to go to a nine-inning game, my solution would be for the Mets to offer you either a parking voucher or a food voucher in the amount of $25, that's what it is to park, so that you can use it you know, on food or, or whatever in the stadium. And then for the Yankees, it's $45 to park there. So you would get a $45 parking voucher or food voucher, not both, or. I think that would placate me as a fan. There's nothing worse than paying for parking at those stadiums, and yet you don't want to park your car on the street anywhere around there. And so I would be okay with that. I want to know what you guys think. 877-337-6666. And then I'm thinking, like, how does that affect the Mets on the field? Honestly, I don't think think it's an advantage, actually, for the Mets, that they're going to be able to rest their players at this point in time, 52 innings. When you switch from a nine-inning game to a seven-inning game times 13 times, that's like 52 innings, that the Mets are not going to be wearing, tearing on their bodies and, I think the bullpen benefits by, by it the most, honestly. But I got to say, I, I was not thrilled with Steve Cohen's tweet. Two two thirty three Thursday afternoon, he's like, he said, I won't be able to make the weather call tonight. Anybody want to take my place? What could possibly go wrong? I mean, you don't need a meteorological degree 
to make the call on a game like today. And yet the Mets put out a lineup at 4.31 p.m. on Twitter, which made that would make me think, especially if I had tickets, that, that I should get in the car and go. And then at 6.08, they announced the postponement. Me, coming from where I live in New Jersey, I would have been already over the George Washington Bridge. I would have, whatever, whatever it costs to get over that now, $18, whatever it is, I don't even know, just comes out, whatever. And I would have been on the FTR drive already. I mean, that late call, knowing the forecast, look out your window right now. This was coming no matter what. On a day like today, it was just unacceptable to, to call it at 6.08 p.m. Too late. And then the final thing I want to leave you with, uh, two things. One, Jacob deGrom should be at that All-Star game. I know I'm not expecting him to pitch, but he should be there. As the best player, arguably, in the game, he should absolutely be at that game. And we can argue about that. But the final thing I want to leave you with before we go back to, to any of these calls here, the Mets have to be very encouraged by that series against the Brewers. We talked about it before it happened. Listen, think of it as a three-game series, because one of them obviously was postponed, obviously. But it was a three-game series. If that was a three-game playoff series, the Mets would have advanced. And they really took it to three all-star pitchers. They tagged Brandon Woodruff for four earned runs. They knocked Corbin Burns out after five and two-thirds innings. And Jose Peraza tied the game for the Mets on the first home run allowed by Josh Hader this entire season. So a lot of good things from the Mets in that series. They, they found ways to win. It's going to be Jeff McNeil's coming out party. I will assure you of that. And then Vernon from Manhattan brought something to my attention that I did not notice because, <laughs> I'll tell you why, I was not watching. That was the one Met game that I, ha- I wasn't watching. Want to know why? It was the first chance so far this entire since my pool was opened Memorial Day weekend that I had the chance to sit out by the pool. First time. I'm white as a ghost. First time. So I'm sitting outside listening to the radio. Wayne, Howie, nice. Imagining it. You know, whatever. And Vernon from Manhattan says that Corbin Burns, these are my words now, is a cheater. Because if you look at it, and Kevin found it on YouTube, and I retweeted it, and Kevin tweeted it, if you want to go see it, that and I have long hair, and I'm imagining my hair in a hat, right? If I were to tuck my hair behind my ear, I would probably use my, my index finger and just really quickly just kind of brush it back. Well, Corbin Burns took his thumb and kind of really, really pressed into his skull with it. We all on this show think that he is hiding whatever spider tack in his hair. And I think once you see the video, it's going to make total sense for you. So if you go on my Twitter, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, or if you go on Kevin, Kevin, what's yours? K-Wall? K-Wall 521. K-Wall 521. Two easy ones. You can find it. You can see it. And final thing before I let you guys go for the break here, I tagged Corbin Burns in it. And I asked him, Corbin Burns, what is in your hair? And he's only got like 8,500 followers on Twitter. I was expecting like 30,000. He's clearly seeing it. He's going to see it. So when he wakes up earlier today, I'm dying to know if he's going to answer us. I'm going to go with no, but there's just the off chance that he might. And we'll see. And I will take your calls coming right up, 877-337-6666. 
listen to Boomer and Geo, morning 6 to 10 on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan at 424 AM. I, I got to tell you, the Home Run Derby bracket and the seating were announced. And I think Pete Alonso might have been, I want to say snubbed, but Pete Alonso, the, the two-year incumbent, I think he might have been a little bit disrespected. Um, when I initially saw the home run derby seeding, I had a fleeting thought of, okay, Otani's the number one seed, Alonso's number five. MLB must be setting up an Otani-Alonso final. And then I clicked the notification and found out, wait a minute, Pete Alonso has to go through Otani to get to the finals. That didn't sit right with me. There have only been three multiple-time derby champs, Kane Griffey Jr., Ioannis Cespedes, and Prince Fielder. Alonso would be the fourth, if he repeats. So, I'm going to tell you, this is this is some McCartan math here. You guys ready for it? To pick my winner, I didn't look at any of the odds until I finished my own little research. I looked at two things. I calculated the percent of no-doubt home runs which is home runs that would have been out at any ballpark. I calculated the percentage of home runs by park, in this case, course field. And I compiled all the data through Wednesday night game. Okay, all the Wednesday night games were factored into this. Okay, and I rounded them all up to the nearest percentage point. And I'm about to tweet this right now as I'm speaking to you guys, Twitter. And then so, of all of the eight... I'm going to call this my home run derby McCartan math. That's what I'm going to call this. You guys go on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I'll put it up on Facebook's a little bit more difficult, but I'll put that up in a second on Facebook. You guys can see it. Based on my calculations, I feel like Cynthia Freeland here. I'll get her back on for football season, but I'm looking at the, the bracket setups here, the way they're set up, the, the no-doubt home runs that each player has hit, the expected home run at Coors Field, this all according to Baseball Savant. I figured out the percentage. They had the numbers. The winner of the home run derby at Coors Field in Denver is Joey Gallo. His odds, and then I checked the odds, as of Thursday afternoon, plus 350. Okay. All right. He's a second seed. He deserves that, that high, I guess, right? But maybe if you're looking for a better play on your money, my second choice is, in this order, actually, are Trevor Story. He's at plus 600. Or my third choice would be Pete Alonso at 450. If you're looking for a better play on your money. I don't like telling people what to do with their money. But I'm just saying, when it opens, I will be putting money on Joey Gallo to win the home run derby based on my calculations. Nerd alert. There we go. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877 337 66-66 up the Henry Hudson Parkway northbound closed on 58th Street. George Washington Bridge. Oh, I guess I can't go that way home. All right. All right. Ken in Queens, you're up next on the fan. How are you doing, Danielle? Great, Ken. How are you? Okay. I just want to go back to Saturday night on a few things you had said and sure. uh, talk about it. Let's do it. I tried to get through and uh, I was on hold for a while and I got disconnected so I never made it to it. Oh, what? Yeah, but all right, no problem. Anyway, uh, 
I, I remember you telling Saturday night about Taiwan Walker. Yes. You wanted him as a free agent for the Yankees or the Mets or whatever. Yep. I had also been on that. I had called up Steve show almost every night saying, I don't know why nobody's given this guy respect. He's 28 years old. He's two years removed from Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. Usually it's now two years recovery period where you really come back with, you know, you, you, the great stuff and everything. Yeah. And I don't know why nobody, Mike Fliegelman, the producer, I was telling him every night, why don't they sign Taiwan Walker? And I was hearing about Jake Arrieta, who I can't stand. I, I figured it was through and Paxson. Could you imagine if they would have signed those guys and not Taiwan Walker? I'm wow. telling you, I know. I, 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 you know it. You said it. I wanted Taiwan Walker for actually. I, I suggested the Yankees. Honestly, I feel like they could have used him more than the Mets could have. But either way, he was high, he was like high up on my list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now also. You were asking about what station do you like to listen to the Mets Yankee series, PIX yes. or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would well, you rather listen to the Mets booth or the Yankees yeah. booth? Yeah, Mets booth any day because I'm going to be honest with you. I might make some controversy here, but Michael K is the biggest homer announcer in the whole world. I mean, I just I could not listen to Michael K on picks. Yes or any station. He's just too much Yankee. And, uh, and like I said, you know, the Met broadcasting is really great. And David Cohn, who I happen to love because I am a Met fan, I think his true colors are that he would love to be with the Mets organization. And if there was room in that TV booth, he would be with the Mets as an announcer, but unfortunately the Mets are set, you know, with their uh, with their guys there. Yeah. The reason why I watch the S Network broadcast is for David Cohn. He's the reason why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love David Cohn. He's yeah. He, you know, he, he's, and he's true to, like, Michael K will make up, oh, yeah, this, that, but he tells it like it is, mm -hmm. David Cohn, and that's what I love about him. If the Yankees are playing Stinko, he'll tell you. <laughs> Michael K will make uh, 2,000 excuses. That's why I think he's a homer, but that's besides the point. Yeah. Also, what I quickly wanted to tell you about, oh, God, what's the, what's the other thing? Oh, uh. Oh boy, now I can't. Remember. Oh no! I can't, I can't believe it. It was something. Uh, I said about Michael K, the Homer, uh, Ta uh, Taiwan Walker. Uh, oh boy, now now figure I can't oh, no, remember. Ken. Well, I, I want to mention about the Jets. Uh, I I love this receiver, the young kid. Yeah. Uh, I think he's. Like I, oh, I know what I wanted to say. I'm the same Ken who predicted and gave you the Joe name and guarantee last month that Tampa Bay would go on to beat the Islanders. I remember. Okay. I also predicted Tampa Bay to win the Cup, but that's not saying much. In four, but they did win it in five. Mm -hmm. And... uh Anyway, but, yeah, going back to the Jets, I love that guy Tucker, the offensive uh, lineman. Oh, Elijah receiver. Vera Tucker. Oh, he was so high up on my draft board for the Jets. I am so happy with him. Yeah, I heard you talking about him. You really liked him. I like Carter, the running back. Yeah. I think they had a fabulous draft, yeah. and if they could all stay healthy, you know, the Jets, I mean, you know, they'll probably win maybe six or seven games, but I think they're on their way. Yeah. 
I think so. And I think they're in really good hands to do so. And and you see, and, and Ken, thanks for the call there. I appreciate it. Um, you see guys like Elijah Moore, that's that's the wide receiver. He, he's, he's walking around with pads on his shoulders, and he just can't wait to get started. He's very excited. Like, that's not – Kadarius Tony, you're not seeing that out of Kadarius Tony from the from the Giants. So, uh, I think the Jets really nailed this draft. I, I think they addressed all of their needs as as best as possible. I mean, starting with, uh, listen, I was I was sticking with Sam, but when they didn't stick with Sam, Zach Wilson was my choice. So Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker at 14th overall, Elijah Moore. I mean, and then and then. Even in the later rounds, I think that the Jets nailed the later round picks better than the Giants did. So I think it's I think Jets fans have a lot to be optimistic for. However, I'm going to issue the same I don't want to say warning because that's a bad connotation, but the same I don't know statement. I guess I don't know I don't know the word right off the top of my head, but issue the same thing that I said when Sam Darnold started here in New York is that you have to give the kid room to grow and time to grow. He throws, I mean, he did throw an interception on his first pass ever as a Jet, right? I think it was a pick six, no less. Yeah, it was. So, okay, right? It's only, it can only get better from there, you would think. But you can't jump on on Zach Wilson from the get-go. I think if you're a Jet fan, if the Jets win six games this season, I think you should be happy. I think that's the number I'm putting the Jets at. But you can't run the kid out of town. There's like a little disclaimer. I guess that's the word. It's a little disclaimer. You can't run the kid out of town. You have to give him. He's going to have growing pains. As I told you with Sam Darnold, they're going to have growing pains. He is the starter from day one. He's getting first team reps, but he's going to have growing pains, especially with new wide receivers, adjusting to NFL speed versus college speed, the whole thing. The whole thing is a huge adjustment. And Robert Sala could do everything that he can to get him ready for it. There are going to be growing pains. Be prepared for it. Don't jump all over him. Don't ruin him. Let's go to Mark in North Carolina. You're up next on the fan. Hi, Danielle. I love your show. Thanks nice to talk with you. Um, I just want to talk about the two baseball rules. The extra inning rule, um, I don't like the runner on second base at the end of at the end of regulation, I think they should wait an inning or two and then implement that rule instead of doing it at the, either at the end of seven uh-huh. or at the end of nine. Maybe maybe you delay it by an inning or two and then you then you put that on there. Because I understand you want to save the bullpens and and such. So I get the rule. I just think it should be implemented later. Yeah, I, you I, know what? I like that. I like the rule too. Excuse me. I, I do like the rule yeah. too um, because I think about. I'm a teacher. I think about myself who can't stay up and watch. A nine inning game, you know what I mean, and the kids, especially the kids, they they're not seeing the end of games. Like I rarely watch Mariana Rivera pitch at the end of games. So uh, for me, I think that's a great suggestion. I I actually love the rule, the runner on second rule. It's a mm-hmm. it's internationally adopted in softball for many years prior to this. So I'm used to it in a way. And so I do like the idea though of 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 uh, maybe an inning, one inning for each team. And yeah. if you can't score, then you start the runner. I like it. Agree. Yep, and then the other thing is, yeah. on the double header, the the, the um, excuse me, the uh, seven inning rule. Um, I cannot stand that rule, and I think that you know, from a fan perspective, if you're going to have a double header, right, make it seven innings, 
then they should all be single admission doubleheaders so the fans get two games guaranteed for one admission instead of the separate admissions. Like, that's the one thing I would do. Yep. But I hate the rule because I think that it gives teams with lousy bullpens an advantage, right? Because yes. with a seven-inning game, you don't get through, you know, the, 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 the you can't hit the rotation three times. Like, usually it's mm-hmm. two, two and a half times. And if you have good starting pitching but a weak bullpen, it's definitely to your advantage. Those, those teams that, that, you know, where, where you see the starter the third time and maybe can get at them, or if you have a lousy bullpen, I think it, I think it really benefits those type of weaker teams. And I think that it should, the best team should win. And I don't think that always happens when you have a seven inning threshold on a game. Hmm. Yeah. But, and then, but though, to, to, you know, kind of negate that, your suggestion of maybe one inning before the runner starts. Ah, no, those are different things. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because, like like my example before, Jacob DeGrom goes six innings, and when Diaz comes in, slams the door shut, game over, done, done deal. Right. Yeah. And no. it's like just like with Milwaukee and yeah, the Milwaukee series, right? You have a good starting pitcher. He mows the team down, right? And they have a lousy – if they have a lousy bullpen, they never get to the bullpen, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the beauty of a night-inning game is you've got to go through that lineup three, four times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, these, these teams, that's why there's so many, there's been a couple almost no hitters, right? You get that good starter in, you know, he, he trudges his way through, and you never get to hit the team's bullpen. And, and I think it's, I just think it's, it's not a fair assessment of the talent of the two teams when you do it only over a shorter horizon of seven innings. Yeah, you know, Mark, that's a great point. Uh, yes. And I would be then curious to see how the trickle down would be. If, in fact, they do keep the seven-inning game, how that would trickle down and affect the roster construction, maybe you want to load up on starting pitching rather than relieving you know, relievers and things like that because so, you're not going to use as many relievers. Or maybe you're going to convert a Seth Lugo to a starter, which, oh, please don't at this point. But if that's the path that you're going to go down, seven-inning doubleheaders, you know, from now on in the new CBA, then that's obviously going to affect roster construction. So, yes, there's a lot to to deal with that for sure and before we head to break i have a question for all you baseball fans out there which player would you rather have this is my favorite game to play with you guys i'm going to run through some numbers quickly here you know what if you're a visual person why why don't you guys just go to my twitter at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n i've got mystery player a mystery player b and you tell me looking at those stats which one that you would rather have on your team? And I'm going to put it on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. So I will fill you in, explain what this means, and I want to know which player you want because this is – I have a little – there's always a method to the madness. I'll fill you in coming up after the break. Listen longer in the morning to The Fan. Start with a warm-up show with Al and Jerry at 5 a.m., followed by Boomerang Geo from 6 to 10. We're online at WFAN.com and on your radio at Sports Radio 1019 WFAN-FM. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan on this Friday morning, everybody. Happy to be here. Happy to have you guys along for the ride. Happy to have Kevin along for the ride as well. This is your last chance to get aboard, 877-337-6666, before the warm-up show comes your way. And, of course, the Boomer and Geo show after that. So if you guys 
some of you guys went to my Twitter, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I love playing this game with you guys, and there's always a point to it. Mystery player time. And Twitter does not allow you to post a poll with an image, which is something I would like to change. If I could write to Twitter, I would tell them that. But player A or player B. So, okay, so for those of you guys who are not near a, a, you know, maybe you're on your phone, on hold, maybe. And I posted it to Facebook, too, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. But which player would you rather have on your team, player B, who bats 330, or player A, that bats 169? Okay. Player B, on base percentage, 422, versus player A, 248. And we can keep going. Player B has a higher slugging percentage. Player B has a higher total bases per game. I did the calculations. Uh, player B has a higher runs per game rate. Player B and player A have the exact same fielding percentage, which we will come back to. And then player B sees more pitches per at bat. Which player would you rather have on your team? So, some of the responses. Let's go to Twitter. We've got at Paul M. Connell. He says, I love your stat graphs you come up with, Dan. <laughs> but then he also says player B. At the Big Ruse says obviously B, but the shocking part, player B is probably a bullpen catcher and pro- player A is probably an all-star. All right, you're warm. At Bader Jr. 19 says B and it's not close. At D-A-H-Y, Dehi 99 says B with like four exclamation points. Exclamation points. Hmm. So player A, well, no, let's do it like this. Player B is Brendan Nimmo. Player A is who every Met fan called up here and wanted in a trade, a sign, whatever it was, in the offseason. They wanted Jackie Bradley Jr. They wanted him so bad they were shipping out Brendan Nimmo. And I'm saying, no, 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 he's going to be fine. Have faith in Brandon Nimmo. And lo and behold, look at the differential in the numbers. Sometimes, when you're right, you're right. But the difference in them is staggering. And everybody said, oh, Nimmo's defense in center field, he sucks in center field, blah, blah, blah. Their fielding percentage in center field, the both of them, exactly the same. 989, I think it was. I'm not looking at it right in front of me right now, but 989. There you go. Oh, okay. Let's go Maury in Belmore. This is your last chance again, everybody. 877-337-6666. Welcome to the show, Maury. What a great show, as usual. Ah, thank Another you. great show. Thanks. Really enjoy, enjoy the numbers. I, I look at something like that, and I say, you know, maybe one of, maybe a batter B got up a few times. But yeah, I mean, think about how many people were asking or saying, "Nimmo, uh, we 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 could, you know, we don't need you." It's it's interesting how people change on the dime when their players come back. Mm-hmm. I, I love everything you've said. My Yankees continue to disappoint me. Uh, there is no heart on this team. We talk about this how important that is. You have street smart people, and you have people that have gone to Harvard, and I, I respect both of them. Mm-hmm. But in certain situations. You know, the kid that's street smart can get out of a situation a lot quicker versus somebody that knows the books, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I was always the book so smart kid. Always. Yeah. You know, and I, I just think it's important that even games like that third game, this is this just seems that every time they could potentially sweep a team, they lay over that last game. Yep. One hit, 
to a rookie? Yes. Come on, guys. They have, on. They have no killer instinct. These Yankees have no killer instinct. And you know where that comes from? The manager. The manager what? doesn't oh. permeate it, and it doesn't, you know, permeate throughout the locker room. It, it's all on the manager at with, that point. With, with Joe, when we were when we had the, the big guns, there was always, okay, we'll do something in the eighth inning. We'll get a couple of runs back in the ninth inning. We were always battling. We always came from behind. Yep. You're, the minute, and the stats don't lie, the data does not lie, the minute we're behind, the team seems to shivel, shrivel up into a little ball. And I think they can't handle the pressure. And, again, I blame the coach for that. Yes. This is what they're supposed to be doing. 3-2, man on second, one left. I mean, come on. They just can't. Situational hitting is, is something that they don't know. Which, and it's sad because, two things, uh, yes. The Yankees, by the way, are 15 and 29 when they allow the first run uh, to the other team. Yeah. And situation, see, we were talking about this seven inning thing a lot tonight. But guess what? The Yankees, I, I don't have the, the the record right in front of me, but I'm sure it's not good because to score that runner from second base in those situations, you need to hit situationally well. And the Yankees, yeah. I am sure, have a losing record in those games. I'm yeah. sure of it. I have their record right here. It's they stink. That's the record. <laughs> Anyway, have a great day, Coach. Well, thanks, Maury. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, again, I don't have the their, their seven-inning splits in front of me, but in, for this season, I, I'm going to venture to guess that they have a losing record when they are losing. I'm sorry, when they when they have that runner on second base, they could barely score the runner on second base in the course of a regular game, not to mention the added pressure of having to do it, especially if the other team has already scored. That's the problem. So, again, this goes all relates back to the fact that this Yankee lineup, as I told you before the season started, is fundamentally flawed. And now you're seeing it in practice. So, maybe Brian Cashman has recognized it. Maybe he's trying to rectify it with the Locastro move. Let's see. Let's see. E. Frank in Astoria, you're up next on the fan. Yes, hi, uh, uh, Sarah. Danielle, Ephraim. Danielle, oh, you've called me before. How many times? I know. I called you many times. I just get a little bit confused at these hours of the night. <laughs> it's Danielle. Right. Anyway, Danielle, I would just like to say, you know, I don't want to say supernatural or miracles or great comebacks of all time, but, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks are a team this year that are demonstrating a, a, an ability to come out of holes that and no NBA team has ever done this before, in my opinion, because look at the score tonight. I mean, they, in the last day, they were up a few points in the first quarter, but now they ended up 10 points. It's like, you know, this team is blessed in some way because it's they're two, down two games to zero. But it seems that they're at a point where they have the ability to they have some surprises left in the next three or four games if they go that far. So, I don't know. These... I think it's going to be tough. I mean, when you when Giannis Antetokounmpo went down, I was watching it on TV. I was in a I was in a bar actually, and I couldn't hear anything that was being said. But the way that he was kind of helped off that court, I thought there was no way that that guy was going to be back and playing in in the finals. He dropped forty two points. What does that tell me? In a, in a loss, that tells me that the cast characters around him didn't do his job, or that the Suns played really good defense um, against them. So, uh, Chris Middleton, what did he finish? Eleven points, I think. He's got to step it up. I mean, he was great when they played the Nets, and he kind of just fell off in that game. Uh, I, I know crazier things have happened, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I don't know. 
I believe in the Phoenix Suns, honestly. So in the long run, is it going to be a situation where it goes down to Game 7? Um, I, there's a little bit of conspiracy theorist in me, I'm going to be really honest with you, that I think the NBA is going to try to sort of milk this as best as possible. I'd say six games. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's I call me a conspiracy theorist. Call me whatever you want to call me, but I just have a feeling that all these games, they kind of just... They have a way of... All these series have a way of being... Long series, if you know what I'm saying. Tom in Rockland, you're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how you doing? Great, how are you, Tom? Good. Uh, my dentist turned me on to you. He said, you got to listen to Danielle. He goes, she's great. Oh, yeah? Uh, is it my dentist, yeah, so, too? Who is it? <laughs> Dr. Scala in Pro River. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny. So uh, I just wanted to talk about, I mean, Football and basketball is taken off, and I think baseball really needs to look at their commissioner, and he needs to go. Uh, I know he works for the owners. He's not obviously working for the fans. Baseball needs new leadership. Rob Manfred has not been good for the game. Uh, I, I don't like everything he's done, but like you said, kids cannot watch baseball at night. Yep. My son's nine years old. He's in bed. He doesn't know what happened. Right. So it, it's not the way it, – it has to change or else baseball, it, it, it's just going to – it's not going to be a sport anymore. They're just losing out. They're losing the next generation of fans, and they need to make some major changes. And the first thing would be to get rid of Rob Manfred. He's just not good for the game. Well, well, as a – okay, so I coach girls softball, right? And what right. I noticed was that – Softball was losing a lot of players to girls lacrosse. It's a more exciting right. game, oh. more more girls Done. are on the team, and yep. that's, it's concerning. It really is. And, and also boys are going to play lacrosse, yes. and it's a more exciting game. And, uh, and I know they do the RBI program. I worked for baseball for many years, did yeah. the RBI program. But they need to, they need a change at the top. They they need someone who has kind of like a like a Craig Biggio, someone who has a player's view to work in the commissioner's office and, and, and get some get some changes enacted. Well, the first thing, I mean, when you look at Rob Manfred, right, the first thing that comes to my mind was how awfully he handled the Astros cheating scandal. Why right. would you interview what, – what, I'm going to make this number up – but why would you interview 15 players when all you really needed to do was interview like two people and then have them rat everybody else out? That's how it works. Rob Manfred is – That was is, the first thing. He's not a good guy. No, he's not. He's done a lot of things that, that kind of like – you like scratch your head like, wait a second, wait, what? Like he, he the juiced balls that was kind of like a little bit of a secret, and then and then they changed them. Did you know that? Did they change yeah, he, them in he's that taking the integrity He's taking the integrity out of the game. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, Danielle. Of course, Tom. Thanks for the call. Um, Rob Manfred, listen, he does not do a good job of marketing his players. I mean, think about baseball players. Think about football players. Think about let's say hockey players. What do baseball players not have in common versus the other two? They don't really have anything on their faces. I know hockey sort of kind of does and doesn't, but they wear pads and helmets and stuff, and they're hard to distinguish potentially. 
Football, forget about it. And baseball, there's nothing. It's just their bodies and their faces. And yet, there's they can't market their best players. I'll go back to it before. I think I asked my mom one time, who rank these these players um, based on? My mom's good because she's really not into like you know sports like like the rest of us are in the household. So I said rank these rank these couple players who you would be most recognizable. I picked like uh, the top of all the sports. I picked uh, LeBron James. She ranked as number one. She could recognize LeBron James. She could recognize whatever the rest. But the last one was Mike Trout. She and my dad, who's into sports, ranked Mike Trout last. They would not be able to rank Mike Trout. A New Jersey guy, by the way. That's a problem. And I don't know. There's there's so many ways that I would kind of tweak baseball. I would kind of not force, but but I don't want to say the word force, but players should have to go once COVID is over, of course, go. I don't want to say sign autographs because there's a whole business about that, but they should have to go, you know, Okay, Kevin, it's your turn. Danielle, it's your turn. You have to go out and, and greet the fans or something today down the first baseline for 10 minutes or something like that. Like that, can you imagine as a kid meeting a player like that? You know what Derek Jeter told me one time? Sorry, I can't sign that jersey. He told me that to my face. What? We were literally the only people, and it was the first ever opening of this, the new stadium. We were the only people there, and he said, I'm sorry, I can't sign that. What? Come on. I don't know. It's just there's a disconnect with the fan base, and I agree. I think Rob Manfred has uh, he's run his course. Thank you, but no thank you. You've done enough. And enough for me was that Astros cheating scandal. That was enough for me right then and there. And this whole uh, checking of the pine tar and things like that. You, you inform the teams prior to the season starting that, that it's going to be a crackdown, and then you, you do it mid-season. Mid-season crackdown? You didn't tell them before the season started that it was going to be a mid-season crackdown? You you compiled data for two months, and, and you encouraged teams to use, like, video to stare into the gloves and stuff of pitchers? That's almost, like, worse than, than stealing catcher signs. You're, you're stealing grips and stuff like that. The acquisition of Rawlings, where... They have the ability to, to change the, 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 the makeup of baseballs and not even have to tell anybody about it. There's just so many things. There's just so many things. And you're right. I think there needs to be a player mindset uh, in that office. Maybe like maybe a commissioner and a co-commissioner elected by the Players Association or whatever. I would like that. That would get both perspectives in, in the same room. I would like that. And my solution to this whole sticky stuff, I've said it, I'm going to keep saying it until someone listens to me. My solution for the sticky stuff is you have a couple different baseballs with a couple different levels of stickiness to them, agreed upon by all the players, pitchers, batters, everybody. And then you have those, let's say, five baseballs to pick from. And if you get caught with anything, the book get, the, the book gets thrown at you. But at least you have a choice, and there al- allows for some flexibility in the colder weather versus the warmer weather and and things like that. So, thank you guys to all the callers. Cannot have done this without you. I want to see you guys all back in my regular shift Saturday night into Sunday morning, 2 to 6 a.m. 
if you missed any portion of tonight, you can go on the Odyssey, the free Odyssey app, and rewind to the start of the show, which was 1 a.m. Great job to Kevin tonight behind the glass. Also to Bob Huesler on the updates. The warm-up show is up next. And in the meantime, you guys can hit my social medias at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter at Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We will keep the conversation going up until and beyond my show late Saturday night into Sunday. Get home safe, Kevin. I will do much the same. You guys stay safe out there, and I will see you guys later on in the weekend. Enjoy the bets and enjoy the Yankees, everybody. The Fan is New York Sports on the Odyssey app.